This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is made possible with support from TripleByte because applying to programming jobs sucks, from endless applications to countless hours of technical screens. With TripleByte, there's a better way. You do one online interview, and then you get to go straight to final interviews at hundreds of companies from tech giants like Dropbox to exciting startups. It's like the common app for software engineers. No resume needed. Apply now at triplebyte.com slash test, and if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. Again, that's triplebyte, B-Y-T-E dot com slash test. Let's start the show. For Thursday, June 6, 2019, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast this week. I'm Norm on this bright and early morning, Wednesday morning, we're recording this, I think. Uh, and if you're watching the video, you've noticed this is the third week in a row. I think Kishore has just abandoned the podcast. Yeah, every, I, every Monday he basically says, oh, I forgot. I, for- <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't make it. He, he, has, he has a full-time job doing other things. Um, and yeah, we'll get him in, into the 500s. He did 501. <laughs> it's important. Jeremy's here, though. Very important. Hi, Norm. Hi, Jeremy. How you doing? Good. Thank you. And, of course, we have a special guest, Steve Linz, back on the podcast. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's really good to have you here. Uh, awesome. Steve, uh, for people who don't know, is a longtime friend of the show, and uh, you have... What's what's a, what, what hobby best describes you? Is you're a collector? Uh, I, a, I like historian more. Historian? Uh, yeah, I'm no longer collecting. I'm actually in the process of getting my entire collection donated to uh, the Strong, so... Collection oh. of what, Steve? Of um, all my video games. Electronics <laughs> and video games yeah. historian. Yes. Um, so along with like our friends Mike Micah and mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of other people we know in, in that world, uh, you have a lot of awesome artifacts from computer and video game history that just it's ephemera these days right yeah. like like the people weren't thinking about the boxes and the manuals and all the the betas like back then it wasn't just the download button and and uh, do you have a few favorite items in in the history of, of things that you've seen and uh, you've been I, in touch with you might have talked about it on here one of my more recent favorite items is the uh, the resin ball for oh, yeah. NBA Jam. Yes. Um, so if you look at the box art for NBA Jam, there's a there's a basketball that's kind of like bursting through paper, and everyone thought it was just you know like Photoshop or something. But mm-hmm. then um, or fo- or yeah, a digital yeah like digital a, a CG image right. Uh, but it's an actual prop, um, and the Amazing. person who made it you know created it. They did the photo shoot, and he threw it like in the back of the warehouse, and then. You know, twenty something odd years later, I was like, "Wait, I still have this," and then auctioned it off through a um, sports memorabilia site. So that was really interesting. A sports memorabilia site is like it's a weird places where things pop up. Right, right. Uh, and it, I would have known about it and, uh, until um, someone who was doing an NBA Jam uh, documentary kind of like, "Hey, this thing just popped up," and then mm-hmm. it was sort of free for all for people going up after it. Um, and then uh, the most recently, uh, Video Game History Foundation, which is I am a part of. Uh, spent a month at 
Game Informer's offices in Minneapolis with uh, Army of Volunteers, and basically they they were founded in 1991, uh, and they have only moved one time. So they have all of their prototypes and games and press releases and everything, and so basically an army of people scanning everything, ripping all the discs. I think it was like 8,500 discs and thousands of pages of documents. Wait, wait, this is for a, the magazine? Uh, yeah, Game Informer, the magazine, but it's it's all their archives, so all the raw uh, like the raw assets they got from developers, like prototypes that they were sent for game reviews, you press were, releases. You were saying that most of the magazine itself was was archived already on disc, but what they had in physical form were press releases from games from the early '90s and correct all kinds of tchotchke cool boxes. Yeah, they were sent. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of like press kits and and all kinds oh of weird tchotchkes and everything. Goodness! So it was amazing, and uh, thanks to all the volunteers who helped out on that project. That's one. That's one of the rare publications where they would still have, like you said, the only only move one time. Mm-hmm. I think about because Jeremy and I used to work for uh, Future. Uh, Imagine Media, right? And you know, even in our tenure there, they moved like once or twice. But that old office, it was in Brisbane, California. Even back in the early thousands, it was there. It was packed, every cupboard, you know, floor ceiling with random gaming paraphernalia, right? And usually, what happens was when you move, you throw all of it It out. All goes away. Did you hold on to any of your old tchotchkes? I think the one thing I held on to, like, it was like a PC gamer football. A like PC gamer football. PC gamer nerd football. You mean from a video game yeah. company? Though. I held on to a No One Lives Forever mini lava no. lamp. Oh, yeah. wow. Like, I loved that game. That's yeah. one of my all-time favorite first-person shooter games. And it was like a mini lava lamp. You flip it over, and it would just perform. I think like I, I saw like a coffee mug for some weird like Japanese, like Grandier or something. <laughs> it's <a> weird <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I... I, I like, the, the weird world of like... like a, Games marketing, like press marketing, and it happens in like uh, the movie world too. Mm-hmm. Like uh, movie journalists and, and um, magazines get sent and all sorts of weird, like uh, uh, red carpet type tchotchkes. Mm-hmm. May, they make a hundred of these things, and it has the brand. And it's it's it ranges from they they source from some supplier or something that's tangentially related to the game that they slap a sticker on or slap a have it have it custom you know um embroidered to have that logo uh, to something fully custom and i never really got like it's it's like i i understood intellectually like why they did it as a marketing exercise mm-hmm. but from an emotional thing it's just like it becomes extra clunky thing that was at the office and it more often than not just went to the intern yeah like, Here's, well, the, here's the which at that time was me. <laughs> you had that title for quite a while. Yeah, and I, I had no need for it. Intern for life. I, I think famously, I think it was like Mafia um, for promotion of the game. They sent out uh, brass knuckles oh, with Mafia God. on it, and then they actually had to ask for them back because it was illegal to actually right. send black yeah. brass knuckles to a couple different places. So I think Guitar Hero sent us a uh, actual guitar, mm-hmm. but they had to they put a fake ninety nine dollar gift or uh, price tag on it. Because uh, we, we had a rule, you couldn't accept that you anything. couldn't accept anything over a hundred dollars. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of that. I, I think one of the the things that came off the disc are really like the raw art files uh, or screenshots because yes. they, they put it in the magazine and then you scan the magazine, so it's like two levels of of uh, loss compression, of fidelity, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so in this case, it's like, oh, here's the raw, like you know, ten megabyte uh, graphics. So file. what will the com- uh, video game history museum do with these assets? Uh, so we uh, catalog it. Um, we're in the process of. Um, 
sort of getting it all, uh, I guess, get all the metadata attached to it and then uh, give access to people who want to do research. And it's like, hey, I'm, I'm doing an article or I'm doing a paper on this. And, and they can build, they'll be able to do that from anywhere? Uh, yeah, the, the idea is for them to be able to do it from anywhere. That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of like archive.org, Wayback Machine. Yep. Yeah, in fact, for, I mean, and they have software on their site too. Yes, yeah. And then we actually uh, put most of, almost everything we have on archive.org as well. So. Hmm. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to the archive.org, um, yes. the server facility? Yeah, in, it's cool. Uh, uh, it's, it's in a church yep. in San Francisco. And uh, one of the coolest things, it literally, it's like it's a temple for data, right? It's uh, in, in the Richmond district in San Francisco. Um, and it's still a church. Like the servers are in the back, right, where the, where the choir exactly. is. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's fully exposed there. And, and unfortunately, there was a fire there a couple of years ago. They had to you know, bring everything, you know, kind, of, kind of raise money to restore it. But the infrastructure of the church from windows, the pews are there. And the, the weirdest and coolest thing is in the pews, they have sculptures. Yeah, people. People. And uh, they, have, uh, they have commissioned an artist for um, uh, basically to immortalize the, the volunteers who've worked for a certain number of years or had very significant contributions to the project as these, these uh, plaster s- statues. Do you have a, do you have a, a, no, I a don't person? <laughs> a, no, I do not have one yet. I, I hope, and, and dare to dream. They're, they're not like, like super photorealistic. They're not like 3D scans of people. They're definitely an artist interpretation of people and, and a little bit, little bit cartoony. And I think they went on tour a couple of years ago, went to like a, a museums, but just like, a, like the idea of like immortalizing both data and the people, like, you know, it's very Library of Alexandria. Um, I just love the love the whole idea. Cool. Um, is, is, will there be a physical location for for the stuff you guys are collecting? Uh, so we have um, yeah, we have a little thing in Oakland um, that's sort of invite only. It's a small well, it's actually um, a giant magazine archive, uh, and that'll sort of be like a physical location for for a couple folks, and then um, most of it, you know, we we want it to be accessible <laughs> to everyone. Um, so trying to get as much of it online as possible. There's a Midway documentary that just wrapped, and I, I'm yeah. sure you were a backer of that, like I was. Yes. And um, I guess they're going to take it on the film circuit for, for film festivals this summer, but then hopefully that will come out this fall. I can't wait to finally see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been in progress for a while now. Years and years. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. In the, in the Game Informer stuff, not to let this linger too long, mm-hmm. uh, the digital copies of their magazine, were those PDFs, or do they actually have, like... But the quark files. It's I think the, it's the original quark files layouts, and they they were on you know oh. over the different eras. They're like Psyquest discs and jazz discs and and yes. uh, you know, magneto optical. This, this is so. exactly as I remember in, in the future days. It's like it's like when Pixar went went back and they couldn't access like the Toy Story one, Toy Story two, data without those old SGI machines, and they mm-hmm. need to to pull out storage and run that old software. It's like the same with magazines. You can. You can, you know, output a PDF for the that's the, your flattened but version, but all your source files. If you want to actually open out the layouts, you have to pull up software that basically no one has anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, if we got remember how to connect the SCSI drives. Oh my like, god, oh, like termination and all that other stuff. So one stuff. gigabyte. Yeah, yeah. hundred megabyte disk. Woo! <laughs> Click of death. Put some zip disks in the freezer for a little bit and <laughs> then pull it out. Did it come that? to that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So. <laughs> That's super cool. Uh, we'll have information um, about where people can learn more about this effort and the stuff you're working on, Steve, in the, uh, the descriptions and the show notes. Yep. Um, so people can do more research there. Cool.
story this week. Well, you came on a, uh, a, a twi- it's happened like twice a year, two big Apple episodes every year, one with WWDC and one with the fall <laughs> Uh, the fall announcement of new products, Steve. So we're going to talk a lot today. The top store has got to be WWDC. The two and a half hour... No one calls it that, you know. Really? D- oh, Dub Dub. <laughs> it's Dub Dub now. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Oh, when did this happen? It's like South By. Oh, you know? okay. It's, that's just what it is. No, right. we're not insiders. We can't call it. We can still call it WWDC. Oh, okay, fine. Dub Dub. Not you, me, if, dude. If, have you... <laughs> I, 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 I haven't been to a WWDC in so long. I'm like... Actually, I haven't been since they. It was MacWorld, I guess. Oh, MacWorld Expo was yeah. their, their summer conference. So I can't call it Dub Dub. Okay, I oh. don't have any any <laughs> memories of of quote unquote Dub Dub. Yep. Yeah. Let's let's not. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna stop it there. WWDC happened this past week, which of course Apple's big annual developer conference this year in San Jose. It's a it's a kind of exclusive event because you have to buy lottery tickets to or you have to. Not, you have to enter a lottery for the option to even buy tickets to go. And so when they go up on stage and say, like, you know, for a vast majority of people, this is their first time there, it's because, yeah, because most of the people who want to be there who are developers can't be there. Uh, but, you know, a lot of sessions, I think they put a lot of stuff, that stuff online. But the keynote serves multiple purposes. Big purpose is, of course, we have a big software update it's, every, annually. It's what's new with iOS, what's new with macOS, and then we have a few kind of hardware updates as well, maybe a few surprises. So we'll, we'll dive into all that stuff. Uh, what do you want to start? You want to start with the, the hardware stuff? Kind of the stuff getting the most, the big most news? press and the most, most news? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so as promised, uh, over a year ago, Apple said they were going to refocus on the Mac you know, of course, the MacBook Pros, they, they soft updated those a couple weeks ago. They had the new iMac uh, 5K. And then finally, they have the new um, Mac Pro. Yeah. Yeah. They went back to a tower design. They did. Right? They For a while there, they had the canister, which was the cylinder. The, the trash, trash can. can. The, yeah. yeah the, is that what they called it? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what everyone calls it. I mean, and like I remember Phil Schiller came out when that was introduced, and he was they were super proud of it. Yeah. And, and then it, they, just, they never iterated on it. It just sort of stagnated. And so now they're back to more of a standard rectangular upgradable design. Yes. Yeah. And, and it does evoke uh, the tower design of the Mac Pro from years back in terms of the perforated sides, the aluminum build. It's a little more shiny, a little more angular this time. And if you carefully listen, like the, the best part of following these keynotes is just the subtext because the words they don't use are just important as the words they do use. Oh. And you can hear them say modularity over and over again and customization, but they'll never say upgradability. <laughs> never, right? They're like two, one step away from that. But let's talk about this, this form factor and, uh, and what it can, can do, right? Because it's at its core, it is running a, a Intel Xenon processor. It is, you know, up to these 20, 20 something cores. It's for high compute workflows um, and for basically graphics processing and video editing. I think they know the, a lot of the, the, the potential customers who are willing to spend starting at $6,000 up to well over $10,000 on a workstation. Okay, dude, are... do you know how much a maxed out version of this will cost? Because The Verge actually did a dive on this. They, yeah. they priced out all the components. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so it's something pricing. $6,000 is the starting price. Base starting right. price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And starting price, you get, what, uh, 32 gigs of RAM? 
Is that right? I think it's like 32 gigs of RAM 256 and like a 256 SSD. 256 it's like, what? Gig <laughs> SSD. So the most bare bones, you're basically paying for the chassis there. You get your, you know, the entry-level processor, a Radeon 580, um, you know, which, which again, when you listen to the way they present it, they say, oh, good, 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 a good processor. Because they want to get by that stuff real quickly because then they want to talk about the potential upgrades with right. the, the, your dual quad Vega potential. Afterburners. Okay. Yes. So, okay. How much could this cost? From six thousand. Well, according to the Verge, if you max it out, and, and Apple does not allow you to do this yet, so you can't. Normally, you go in and you can price it out and add all your components. <clears throat> they haven't opened it up for sales yet. Okay, so it's not going to be one of those things where they don't even have a configurator online. No, they will. They will. They will. Be they will. It's, it's just not, not boutique. Available. It's not like email. If you, if you if email <laughs> us. <laughs> If you're interested, if you're interested. Yeah. yeah, right. For a personal consultation with Tim Cook. <laughs> yes, right. For this price, you might expect that because it, it will be, for the maxed out, they're expecting it to be at least $35,000. That's entry level price of a Tesla. Up to $45,000. If you include the monitor, right? Right. The new monitor, the the mm. new monitor is $5,000 all by as itself. A base, as a base price. With no stand. Right. With, yeah, and the, and the shiny option, too. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think the big part of that cost. I mean, obviously the video cards, but then I think it, ha- it can support up to 1.5 terabytes of RAM. Um, so just the RAM alone, I think, was like seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars. Because it's super fast. It's DDR4. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's- I mean, a lot of this stuff. So when you think about like, desktop design, like this is as as a computer product, this is uh, their Mac line is so tied to more tied to other companies and other chipsets and chip makers. Uh, more so than their other hardware, than iPhones, than the Apple Watch, than the you know, t- even their the Apple TV, uh, because they're reliant on the roadmaps of their partners. Mm-hmm. You know whether it's Intel for the compute side or uh, AMD because they don't work with Nvidia, AMD for uh, for the graphics side, and so it really like. They're working on the industrial design, and, and slowly you can see there is some proprietary stuff that they're making and some of that, that uh, the FPGA uh, chip stuff that, that mm-hmm. we'll talk about. Um, but like when you talk about the RAM capacity, that's not Apple. Apple isn't determining that. That's Apple choosing you know, the highest-end Intel workstation motherboard chipset, and, then, and, and that's what allows that capability. So like... On the PC side, you could build, if you had the money, you could build that equivalent uh, Xenon processor, that much RAM. You just couldn't get a lot of the Apple specifics of it. Obviously, you couldn't run Mac OS on it. Right. And, and I think that you know, there's a lot of people who are really upset at kind of the price and like the max configuration. But if this is your livelihood or you know, if you're a company and you need, you know, this will speed up productivity of everyone working on you know, your film or, or whatever it is, uh, you know, that's worth it. Like, will it speed up that much? Isn't there a diminishing returns after $10,000? At some point there is, but I mean, if you, if you look at it, 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 this is, I mean, you're probably thinking like not just one person, right? This is your, an entire team of people and then that adds up over time, right? <laughs> entire like, team of people sharing, that's why they have a caster. So you have optional right, wheels on the bottom, right? Over, it's like, hold on, I'm, I'm booking time, export time. In fact, it's probably... It's like compute like, time back in the day, right? Right, right. Yeah. So is this really for like render time or is it for actual live workflow time? Because yeah. it's supposed to be good for both. But if you're investing that much, where do you get more benefit? You probably get most benefit out of the live working time. Right. Because you don't want to, the time of your employees is more valuable than the time on the machine. Mm-hmm. And you don't want the employees, while they're doing their editing or their, their, their uh, graphics design, you don't want them to be waiting. 
Right. right. Render time, you can export. You can have a separate machine run overnight when the employees are sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's you know you don't need a machine to do that necessarily. This, go ahead. Oh, I, I saw something where uh, they were saying, especially in some workflows, there's one person near the end of the of the uh, of the chain that has sort of the monster computer, right? And in that process, sometimes they have to do things like color correction and all this other stuff because the machines of the people in the earlier part of the chain don't support sort of like 8K or, or whatever in real time. And so um, it's basically speeding up that person as well because they can do things um, earlier in the cycle. I don't know. If you're not developing artificial intelligence on a $40,000 computer, <laughs> I'm not I'm not impressed. Not interested. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like the Hermes uh, watch. It feels like the, <laughs> the version of the product that's meant to make the middle tier look more appealing. Right. But it's it's... This is its own product. I don't understand. Like, is this supposed to make people look at the highest end iMac and say, "Oh, that's not such a bad deal after all"? Mm. <sighs> I don't yeah. think so. I, I mean, I, I, and and for people on the iMac level, I think that is most people right now. Like in in, in 4K editing workflows, the iMac is if you're on an Apple ecosystem, that's going to be good enough for you. It's very. It's this is for you know the. The J.J. Uh, Abram Production Studio okay, of, right. of the world, yeah. and and the Peter Jacksons of the world. If you can afford, you know, tens of thousand dollars on red cameras, and you have eight K footage, you need then you know thirty thousand dollars on a on an editing bay. What does the edit team use here? Are they um, Mac based? We use both Mac we, and PC. Mac and PC because we're not on Avid. We're I mean we're on a, a, Premiere. A Premiere, and so our project files are interchangeable. And so I count those on a PC. I'm on. PC, Joey's on PC and Mac. We have a Mac, another Mac. We have an old trash can um, mm. that we, we use for some you know, exporting, just rendering, Got know, it. running overnight. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the way I see it is if you're thinking about buying this, like you're probably pretty price insensitive, right? I mean, 10000 20000 might not make as much of a difference because, you know, like you said, you're used to buying red cameras and shooting 8K. Yeah. And it's like, hey, we're in a sound bay where it's a thousand dollars a minute or whatever for us to record this stuff so let's just spend the money yeah and and, and like a lot of the benefits they talk about right if you can talk about actual practical benefits or two that i i really that piqued my ear one with this afterburner video card mm-hmm. right this is custom hardware that works on pcie for for their device and this is you know at low very low level they're they're basically you know programming their own asics um for video decoding purposes and this card will allow um they say six billion pixels of processing, which means three 8K streams. Their practical application for this is like no proxies. And so, mm-hmm. in editing parlance, uh, when you get 4K footage, like on a lot of our existing computers, even like 4K footage, you're scrubbing through can chug machine because the bandwidth needed to you know wherever you have it stored, if you, or and where, what drives you have it on, and your local rendering like that can really chug a machine. And so we create proxies. We run overnight, um, turn these turn the 4K footage into you know, 720p footage, um, just to get a timeline edit, and this is how we can like share those files. and And they're saying you don't even need to do that with this because you can just watch your 8K footage in real time. So you, the whole ecosystem, if you want to do that, then one, you need the storage, and you also need the display because no one's going to really like. What's the point of editing 8K footage in real time unless you have a display that can display it in real time? Right. right at that point, if you don't have everything end to end you might as well be working on proxies. And so this is, very, again, for a very, very small percentage 
of people. Um, also, their graphics option, like this, again goes to uh, upgradability and versus modularity. Like they say this system is modular, and I'm sure you can buy some cards, third-party cards. I'll fit in those PCIe slots. But even for the graphics cards, I don't even know. Can you even upgrade the graphics card yourself? Because I don't know if there are exposed PCIe power connectors. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about that. Because power looks like they, they boasted that they have this new module. Like basically, well, given that you can have up to four of them. I, it sounds to me like there are slots. But yes, what? there are slots. But you know, when you when you build a PC on uh, on the PC side, gaming PC, you put a graphics card in. Yeah, you need PCIe slots, x16 slots. But then you also need to plug power from the power supply here. There is no, from what I could tell, no eight pin PCIe power hmm. connectors because what they have, in the interest, as they'll say, airflow and design, they yeah. have these chassis modules, sub modules that have that have extra lanes on right, the so PCIe. Like, so like the power rail is, is like exactly. built into the thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you have to put into this MPX module that then have four, it's a four-wide PCIe housing that then you put either you put the GPUs in there or you have to buy them with the GPUs built in. I'm I sure you buy them. I think it's the latter. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. got to be like this chunk that you just throw in there. Yeah, which, oh, that's just... Crazy, and then the, the, they talk about power, right? Again, this only matters if you're in the world where like power does not like elect- literally the electrons. The cost of electrons is nothing to you because they're talking about a CPU that itself with a giant heatsink drives 300 watts. Just the CPU? Just the CPU <laughs> drives 300 watts, and the whole machine uh-huh. is a 1400. They, they even they didn't even say 1400. They said 1.4 kilowatt you power. Need, it needs its own circuit. Yeah, at <laughs> some like point. Pl- plug it in a dryer or something. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, charge my car, turn on my Mac Pro. But it does have a 3.5 millimeter jack. Yes. Thankfully. It does. Yeah, on the back. And a couple of them are port- nice. underbolt yeah. ports. You know, the, 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 I mean, I'm sure everyone who buys this thing has has sort of a hub or something. But if you think about it, there's actually only, I think, four Thunderbolt 3 ports, like two on the back and two up top. So Yeah, I, I guess hubs are, <laughs> the hub won't be in the monitor. No. Oh, yeah. So right. let's let's talk about the monitor because I know this is the, the big punchline for everyone. And yes, they they probably the big mistake for this was announcing pricing on stage, mm-hmm. right? Like it, pricing on stage does nothing for that could it could be in, in a press release mm-hmm. because you had the moment where the, one of the VPs of engineering talked about like spent the whole time talking about this whole ecosystem of Mac Pro products from the. The, the, the tower to this amazing reference monitor, and then it's dropped the thousand dollar nine ninety nine for for a stand, and you could hear the murmurs in the crowd. Like well, it I, was the closest you get to a boo. It it was it was kind of twofold because it was the price of a thousand dollars for the stand, mm-hmm. but it was also the fact that the monitor doesn't come with a stand. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. How often does that happen? It doesn't even come with the visa mount. Yeah. Oh, two hundred dollar visa mount. Yeah, yeah. yeah two, because he did the visa mount first at two hundred, and then he said the stand in. And you're right. The funny thing about the murmurs, it was more like a wait, what? And then, <laughs> and then he just got, then he he sort of paused for a second, and then threw kept him going. Off. Yeah, uh, and and so I think everyone is still processing. Wait, what did he just say about the stand? You gotta believe in the rehearsals. Yeah. They must have like reached the point where the the marketing and PR people were listening to. The presentation, I'm like, ooh, do we need really need to include that? Because there's did, plenty of information you don't need to include in that keynote. Mm-hmm. He did it fast. 
I mean, yeah. like it, it was like, oh, nine nine uh, one ninety nine and, and nine ninety nine, and then was trying to get to the next thing. Just no, to, that, to get that's like that's like a, the Iron Man test. It's, it's like walking <laughs> on coals for a keynote. Can you get all this interesting info out and then drop the pi- price in an elegant way without having the crowd turn on you? And almost, I mean, with the millions of people or however many people were, were watching on the live stream, like it was, it was, they were not kind. I I am curious to see this monitor. There's no way I'm I'm buying it in yeah. any yeah. universe, but it for it's a five thousand dollar monitor. It's a five K. It has capable right six K. Oh, sorry, you're right. No, it is six K. Yeah. yeah, it's capable of a, it's five K price of six K <laughs> pixels. <laughs> it's capable of a thousand nits of brightness. It's it's HDR, uh, like a thousand nits continuous. Continuous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I want to see it. I can't wait to walk into a, to an Apple store and act, just lay my eyes on it. And then what is it? Thirty inches or thirty two inches? I thought it was like thirty four or something. Thirty two inch. Okay. Thirty two inch LCD. You know, they they talk about. They call it XDR. This is their their super retina, you know, high brightness, million to one contrast ratio. Now, the interesting part, again, this is for production gearheads, is the re- the the comparison to reference monitors. Right. And we actually use a reference monitor, not one of those like forty thousand dollar ones that mm-hmm. they or ten thousand dollar ones they talked about. Uh, but those are pricier, like reference monitors in production houses, which is what um, what editors and what even live studios use to as as perfect. Calibration, color calibrate. They have all the inputs in the back, um, but you basically have a perfect view of what's going out to your feed. Uh, those are those do need to be fine tuned, and those have a lot of inputs. So I'm curious: does this have like your SDI inputs and right. and, and, and all, all your all your ports in the back? You know, a bunch of different HDMI display ports, or is this still a computer monitor, quote unquote, with just your like Thunderbolt? If, I mean, there, there's some pictures of the back. It, it looks like it's just like a computer monitor. But uh, you know, to your point, the reference hardware is always really expensive. Like I, I it, with Video Game History Foundation, we actually have a lot of like the Sony, the the CRT reference stuff, like the PVMs and the BVMs, and retail for those when they first came out, you know, ten thousand dollars or something. So yeah, you can you can totally see it. Yeah, I mean, monitors are basically commodity products now. I remember. What was the first like big monitor purchase you made? I think a ViewSonic 17-inch was like a big a one. CRT, for me. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, remember, I think a 19-inch in college, having two 19-inch CRTs was like the best thing. Right. Well, I, I think I, I also had the uh, the Sony um, that had the retaining lines like oh. across because they, they had the sort of square um, mm-hmm. layout and, and so these like two faint lines that went across the screen. I think oh, I like wow. a 15 inch monitor for that. Wow. So, yeah. And then of course, you know, 1080p LCDs came out and those would just be a thousand dollars. I remember mm-hmm. Dell had a big one. That's um, crazy. A thousand dollars for a 1080p 24 inch, but that was luxury. Wide screen was yeah. going from four by three to 69 was a big, big deal. Uh, and then, of course, now for a thousand bucks, and then I guess after that it was a thousand bucks for the uh, thirty-inch. Remember, like Dell right. had one, and yes. Gateway had one. I and, bought one of those in return, and, and even it. Apple had one. It's too big, too big a thirty-inch. Yeah, I know. Like Will probably, I think he used one for a long time as his main monitor. Yeah. It's, it was just too much monitor for me. Yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. when Gateway did the uh, giant CRT monitor? It was like a thirty-two-inch. CRT. CRT. Um, <laughs> no. I, I, I think it was Gateway 2000. For CRT. computer use? Yeah, for That's computer funny. use. It was like designed for games or How something. How deep was it? I it, It's a CRT. Yeah. So it's, it's a, I mean, it doesn't fit on any desk. <laughs> I mean, going back to <laughs> magazines, I think one, one of my sense memories, and maybe this is why like magazines are so well regarded, because like we all have like very tangible physical sense memories mm-hmm. of like the photos and the, 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 the 
imagination that was spurred from the descriptions. I remember it was a Quake 3 preview mm-hmm. in, in PC Gamer. There was a photo of John Carmack, and he was programmed with a widescreen CRT. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was like, what is that? <laughs> a widescreen CRT? And it was Carmack for programming. Oh, Ferraris yeah. and widescreen yeah, CRTs. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's right. He's got SGI. everything. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. Uh, so that's the, the Mac Pro that mounts back up. And, There's so much news. And, okay. So yeah, let's yeah. go from Mac Pro to uh, the software side. And do you remember for the first couple of years, it was uh, iPhone OS, right, mm-hmm. from, uh, from 2007? I forgot that. And iPhone OS, huh. when iPad came out, they said, okay, well, it's not just our iPhone anymore. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of consolidate it to iOS. Uh-huh. And so we've had iOS 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 now this year. They didn't skip it. Uh, but then now they're branching out again. And so iOS is for iPhone, and iPad OS is now for iPads. I'm excited for this. I'm very excited for this. Well, it's, it's just a name change, guys. Like they, the iPads already had a lot of functionality that the phone hasn't had for many generations now. I think it's the first step for, well, well it's the first step we're really separating like the the use cases, right? Um, I think the file system stuff, right? The file the system. Thing. I mean, they've released their really expensive um, new iPad Pros last year, and I bought one, mm-hmm. and I bought one knowing that it was probably the hardware in there was faster than what the software was going to deliver, mm-hmm. what software experience, and we were all kind of waiting for what was going to happen at WWDC this year, and. They're kind of revamping a bunch of things and really, for the first time, adding support for things that people on iPads have wanted for a long time, starting with like just the home screen. The home mm-hmm. screen now, for the longest time, those 9.7-inch iPads and even like the 11 and 12-inch ones now had, had that same grid of icons, which familiar, yes, best use of space, no. And now you have widgets on the front, the same type of widgets you would get if you swipe left. So that was now, there's an allocated space, and I think it's... Finally, it's, it's, it's moving toward more like a quote-unquote desktop-like environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve, like you mentioned, there is real file support. Their file managers improve. They actually will now support USB devices. That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> you mean USB like sticks? USB yeah, yeah, sticks yeah. that you plug Camera, in. I think you can connect it to that. Right. Yeah. Previously, the process of getting your data, your raw photos off of like a memory card onto an iPad, and, and, and this is why they have USB-C now, right? It's no longer Lightning as of last year, was you still had to import them with the Photos app yeah. one at a time, and then once they were in your photo library, then you open your photo editor, your Lightroom, and then import it again and catalog it there. It was clunky. And so now you'll have some direct import from your third-party apps and connected to USB sticks. That's I think that's a huge, huge thing for them. Uh, and also... Uh, buried in some accessibility now, there will be uh, mouse and touchpad support for yeah, iOS. That, that's cool. And the mouse apparently works everywhere. You know, it works in the in a browser, so you can scroll up and down. It works for navigating the icons. You can do long clicks and yeah. double taps. It's neat. Yeah. Uh, the, the the new pencil stuff, also, I, I don't have one, but if you're interested in it, like they've reduced the latency a little bit, I think from 12 to... Nine, nine milliseconds. I thought it was twenty. Yeah, though. twenty to nine. Like half. How do they do that? That's like I, I'm really yeah. Without like, upgrading the, the, the hardware. pencil. Yeah, yeah that's right. interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, what they might have done is just uh, tap into something um, like lower level OS. It's like oh, we, we had like a, you know an API some or overhead. something, and yeah, yeah. it's just like 
build that into the. But at base. the same time, they're adding more overhead in terms of recognizing what the pencil is doing to the OS because you can drag the pencil from the bottom corner yeah. and take a screenshot and and they're recognizing like that that gesture. So like they're adding functionality, but also making it more responsive, which I think is neat. Uh, and then uh, some extra gestures now in in the OS, like with like cut and paste using like three pin- finger pinch and. That I, demo didn't work so no, well. No, it was it was a little embarrassing. Yeah. And I think like that is that's kind of clunky. Even if it worked perfectly, I don't know anyone who uses multi finger gestures on the regular. Like I I know that there are power users that do, but no mm-hmm. casual iPad user knows about any of that stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, the most most exciting thing is all the keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. For me, like I think keyboard makes tablets so much better. I mean, you want them to be more laptop like. And having all those keyboard shortcuts uh, added, which I'm still kind of parsing through that screenshot of mm-hmm. what the, what they've added, uh, that's going to make this this tablet much more of a laptop uh, alternative. Yeah, I mean, when I travel, uh, especially for a long time, I usually just I have an iPad Air 2 with like a keyboard on it, and there's been times it's like, oh, I want to get a file from someone that's really hard to have to email it to me or something. But you know, now it, I, I I'm much more confident in just taking this with the new OS. Because of the USB, yeah, the, I mean that was really the the, the big blocker of that and and uh, Safari um, rendering the desktop versions. Could uh, you not request that previously? I I don't know. I, I just whenever I would load pages, I would sometimes get that. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I'm not I'm kind of wasn't sure. How to they are claiming it. a desktop class web browsing experience. Now. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm. How, what does that mean compared to desktop mode? That's what I meant. Like, yeah. like you should be able to request the de- desktop version of the site. Right? And my guess is that even in desktop mode, there's some things that didn't work well on uh, their renderer, mm-hmm. such as like forms, web forms, yeah. uh, would always be compressed. And so, you know, people who who do CMS work mm-hmm. uh, on their iPads can actually maybe with you know, with the mouse support and the keyboard shortcuts yeah. mm-hmm. actually be able to access that stuff. Yeah, which is all good. And this stuff trickles down because even though it's in Safari, theoretically, it can be accessed in other third-party web browsers who use the same rendering engine. Mm-hmm. Um, on the iOS side, so the phone side, a bunch of updates there as well. So dark mode, and this is speculation leading to them thinking, uh, thinking that you know, dark mode on iOS means that more OLED everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, OLED's, of course, already on the highest-end phones, so dark mode, maybe a little bit of a battery saver. Uh, there's updated... Uh, Memojis, they have their millennial moment. <laughs> they're, they're, they're YouTubers. Like, like and subscribe uh, on stage or on on, uh, on video. Yep, Didn't they say, like, oh, we're, like, makeup influencers, beauty yeah. influencers yeah. or something? It's like, yeah. yeah. I like that they, again, again, this goes to the careful scripting of a keynote, but they had that whole segment, which is clearly for not the people in the room, but for mm-hmm. the people watching a live stream, to, or maybe for the people in the room that feel like, oh, Apple is hip with the youths uh, and then right after that segment well did you see what the last accessory was that they used that the that you can now add to yourself in memoji oh airpods airpods, yes. AirPods. Yeah. and they said it like of course <laughs> airpods yeah. like i thought of you oh it, it's the you, youth you were saying it is an accessory it as is. much as it is like yeah. an audio it, it tool 100 percent a fashion yeah, accessory 170 dollars for these yes. droplets uh but like they, they threw that whole segment some shade immediately right after yeah. like the, the the presenter was like oh uh, yeah that, that wasn't for everyone but like <laughs> then why'd you have it it gave us a lot to think about oh, they hedged yeah. they hedged yeah uh but okay on ios uh speaking of airpods there's now 
sharing AirPod streams? Yeah, so is this just for AirPods? Because this is an amazing feature if it works across like anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, there's no reason why you couldn't AirPlay your music into another phone that then gets piped through whatever headphones that person's using. Right. I want to have my own personal broadcaster that anyone else can tap into. That you would want be squirting, squirting, zoom <laughs> squirting. You said it, not me. But th that would be great. But it sounds to me like it, this is possibly just for AirPods. I think not only is it just for AirPods, I think it's via the phone, someone else's iPhone too. So like the i, I, I don't know if it's one iPhone or mm -hmm. one iOS device to two sets of AirPods, or if it's sending a signal over something like. Um, AirPlay uh, or um, to a phone to a phone. Well, in that phone, case, right? then we should be able to use any and earphones. Then, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or they could restrict it. Is it just Apple Music or like if I'm, right. I'm on Spotify or something, YouTube, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be great. It, well, it's kind of unclear, right? They just sort of but show the top. it's like a really cool feature. Yeah, I think that's potentially really neat. Yeah, uh, they had a big Maps demo. So they're really, you know, they, they have cars out on the street now doing what Google's been doing with Street View, and they have their version of Street View now, which it's a little smoother. They're really proud of. Oh, come on. It looks really neat, dude. Like, the smooth scrolling between nodes on the ground, like when you're walking down a street. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't just crossfade between the, the two different Interpolation. images and do this kind of fake zooming. It really looks like a 3D movement of the camera. Yes. That looks to me like it's all for, very forward thinking towards some sort of virtual reality experience. AR glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, just the United States though, right? The well, by the end of the year, they'll do the whole US. Okay. And then, yeah, other countries soon after. Yeah. It's, it's a lots of expensive venture to get those cars out there and, and drive and get that data. And I guess Google's been doing it their way that, you know, Google Maps team has people in backpacks walking mm -hmm. around the world. And I think it's going to be a very tough uphill climb for Apple to get that level of coverage from inside stores and remote places. Uh, but it may be enough if the quality of experience is good enough. Yeah. Um, there's a new sign in with Apple button. Which yes. I, I think it's super, I think that's great. Uh, it's it, there's a couple interesting caveats that surfaced after the the show, but yeah. that was another feature that I felt like along the lines of the uh, accessory video wasn't for the people present. It was for the people at home because everyone present is going to want all that data that Facebook is sharing, right? All or the developers? Yeah, yeah. yeah is, right. or whatever with Google. Like, they're going to want as much private information as possible. So the developers in that room are going to want that. Uh, well, Apple's it, like, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> Lockbox. Exactly. Yeah. You, you can't have anything. Um, but then again, like, if, I'm sure that there are a, a lot of devs who are just want easy access. Like they just want low friction. They want people to be able to use their app and sign in as easily as possible. And that's what this does give you. I mean, it's theoretically what the previous signed in and, and, and associated with uh, social uh, media accounts was mm -hmm. supposed to do. And, and right. I think, you know, a lot of people trust Google. A lot of people trust Facebook or at least find it convenient and have signed <laughs> in with Google mm -hmm. on a, a lot of their applications. I, I yep. do it for my Adobe stuff because I never want to, you know, it's, easier, honestly, than pulling one password and, mm -hmm. and, and copy and pasting. Uh, but they made a big point of now it's not just signing with Apple. And of course, you have to use their, their hardware to do it, right? Um, you mean and, and their apps. It's yeah. within their apps. Mm -hmm. uh, but even your emails and your personal information gets kind of hidden as well. Yeah, it's complicated, right? It's like that anonymized email address that forwards to your actual email address. Right. right. So you get an if you can choose to share your email with the dev right. if they request it or you can choose to share an anonymous email and it's a random character sequence 
you know, at iCloud.com that gets forwarded to you. Mm -hmm. And you can make a new one for every single app that requests it. So right. here's my question. If I sign in with Apple, if I create an account and sign in with Apple, let's say, theoretically for Netflix, mm -hmm. right, um, on this, and there's a sign in with Apple button, I'm like, okay, I'm creating a Netflix account for the first time. I'm going to protect my personal email, click sign in with Netflix. And for a lot of these apps, the email is your login, is your username. Mm -hmm. If I have, if I've sent <laughs> oh, Netflix God. this convoluted thing that I don't even know what maybe, and then on desktop side, yeah. I want to access my account. Yeah. How do I sign in? I mean, you have to look it up, right? Because I, then I, you're back to the one password, you know, pulling up a database of yeah. like, what is my associated username and something that's convoluted to type in. That's funny. Well, well you know, should be locked to the, Mac, uh, the MacBook Pro or yeah. the, the yeah. MacBook or my iMac Well, ecosystem. no one's forcing you to use the feature, Norm. Right. I mean, <laughs> these are the UX yeah. you know, considerations. I'm right. sure that there are, are use cases where you are only using it on the app, only ever on the phone, and then you're fine because it will always be stored there. Foursquare. I'm only using it on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I just never leave the Apple ecosystem, Norm, and then, yeah. then you'll be fine. Yeah, you I'm have Touch ID everywhere. This right? may not be a problem. They've considered it Apple. Right? <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, well, uh, but also along the same line, yes. along the same thing that you apparently can't employ this feature as a developer without. Um, I'm sorry, you can't employ login with Facebook or Google with without Apple. also offering the option to sign in with Apple and. The design guidelines say the sign-in with Apple must be the first option. Oh, wow. Oh, must really? Must be on top. Oh, that's wow. just, come on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Or, or highly recommended that that's on top <laughs> as the option. This is really going to help them in that, like, lawsuit about uh, <laughs> Antitrust? Market. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, Did you not see the movie Antitrust? <laughs> with, who was in that? Ryan Philippe? No. Yes, it uh, was. I believe <laughs> it was. Good pull. Good pull. Very good. Uh, okay, again, a ton of stuff out of uh, WWC. Let's go to uh, Mac OS side. Um, the new one is Catalina, the bougiest of Mac OS, right? Yosemite was the most, and, and it was the, was, was the most democratized. I'm ashamed to say it, I don't know what Catalina is. Catalina Island. It's right off the coast of uh, Southern California. It's like, it's this big island that people, rich people go fly to and take boats to. And it's like, really, it's, it's like their own personal you know, Cuba. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With like, Turks and Caicos is the next one, right? You got to get like, keep raising the bar. Yeah. But, yeah. So Catalina, um, and, uh, included in this is the breakup of iTunes. At yeah. least on the macOS side. Mm -hmm. So actually, yesterday in Stone Titled, we uh, we talked about uh, we wondered like what was going to happen to iTunes because on, on the PC side, it turns out iTunes on PC not changing. Like the way you, if you are a person who wants to back up your phone, uh, your iPhone or iPad using a tethered connection to a PC, and you had previously done that through iTunes, mm -hmm. that's still going to be there. No. Sorry, you're not getting the three apps. Okay. On the macOS side. Uh, iTunes is getting broken down. Again, they they tried to play this off as a joke. They never choice of words. They never said iTunes was broken or iTunes sucks. Oh, no. All they said was Dude, come on. iTunes, so many people have asked for feature requests. <laughs> and so they played it off. They're being sarcastic. Like, I thought it was hilarious. Like I I thought that was a really like they wouldn't have trusted that delivery to many executives, mm -hmm. but like he Craig pulled, got it yeah, right. Craig, yeah, yeah. Craig did it right. Uh, so music podcasts and TV and podcast is the big surprise because it's a, a acknowledgement that this is a valid like form of media that is exploding mm -hmm. and it deserves its own app and it is a primary use case for a lot of people on 
their their mobile devices yeah. just listening to podcasts. Uh, so the way you would sync your phone is just literally built in the Finder. Now you mm-hmm. plug your phone in or however you sync it, and if you don't want to use iCloud, you just in Finder that lets you get all the access to data. Um, we don't know really what these three apps will, will you know, how how they'll really work, uh, but it'll all be related or all be revealed in when the uh, macOS Catalina comes out. I mean, I assume it'll be just like an iOS. Oh uh, yeah, I guess the the TV app, right? It's just like and the, the, and the podcast app and the yeah, music app. Yeah, yeah. So you know, the, the, there's some like the the screenshots they had. Yeah, I guess it looks. You, know, you have your tiles of of programming. It's all mm-hmm. tied to still your. I, you know, Apple ID. I mean, they're, pro- they're probably using this new framework that they're so proud of that allows you to develop for all platforms at once. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they, I think they even said that they had been using it yeah. for a lot of their stuff and now they're sort of releasing it to everybody else, right? Which is great. And I, I mean, for a lot of folks, it's like, oh, I have this iOS and I can do a macOS version of it. It doesn't solve a lot of people's, necessarily solve a lot of people's problem with iTunes, which was purely music playback and, right. and music management hmm. because their music app Primarily, will probably be still buying music and doing uh, and, and and listening to uh, streaming music. Mm-hmm. But for people who have big music libraries on the Mac, they may be SOL. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else from? Uh, oh, uh, people with iPads and and Mac devices can now use iPad as a second second screen. That's okay. interesting. Both wireless and wired. Yeah, and third-party programs have let you do that very, for so, years. For years, to very good effect. Even ex-Apple developers have have created those programs. Uh, so this is this is nice. I guess. Yeah. No, I think it's super cool. Plus, it it will uh, emulate the Touch Bar on the Mac uh, MacBook Pros that no one ever uses. <laughs> right at the, at the top of the screen, it's, it will it's, actually it's, add that to the iPad screen as a as a bar. Yeah. Okay. So anyone, any app that's actually gone through the trouble of implementing that, it now has a slightly bigger use case. Oh. Do you both have touch bars? Yeah. Do I, you, I do you use them? I have to look at it every time I use it, like you know, muting and everything. It's just, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, what, I, I don't use it. What's the most interesting use of it, nope. implementation of it? Like nope. animation or nope. scrubbing <laughs> through no. anything? In fact, I think it's distracting, especially if I'm in Safari. Um, you know, it shows kind of the preview of the windows and, and then I, I see it moving as I'm doing mm-hmm. something else and it's it's actually more of a distraction there's got to be else. productivity use cases that i'm just not aware of like oh, yeah. may, maybe it, there's video editors that use it interesting ways for scrubbing I, I do know final cut's supposed to do that yeah but i don't know if uh, premiere yeah but there's there's no, nothing tactile there it's you know, right yeah. rubbing your hand against is the, is that, that a missed opportunity for them to have a haptic little um haptic feedback engine i don't know it's a miss, missed opportunity but it's certainly an opportunity yeah yeah like or maybe I, they just, they they had thought about it and decided it wasn't worth the, or they couldn't get it feeling exactly right yeah. they're like no one's using the same <laughs> I mean, it is an analog control right but they also right. have analog control literally on their touchpad yeah right. on the on the trackpad uh, which is giant on these on these macbooks uh voice control it's we're getting closer to her mm-hmm. the world of her right it was a fun yeah. fo- topic for the podcast always you know what does it look like when you can fully interact with a computer with just voice oh and you mean the accessibility this... option yeah yes that was awesome yeah that was one of the best parts of the whole presentation yeah seeing it break things into quadrants and like, yeah numbers and everything like that that's a great way of navigating that was almost that. science fiction yeah it was really neat and and but it's all still it kind of bootstrap, right? You're still tying to the, the visual UI is how your your voice is acting as the cursor mm-hmm. as opposed to being natural language. Right. And the natural language would be the, the next step of like right. intuiting over learning like what your what your what your uh, intentions are. But we're not even at the point where 
AI can interpret what you when a, a period should appear in a sentence. Yeah, you still have right. to dictate commas. Right. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, any other? Yeah. On that note, Siri got a new voice. Oh. Uh, I, I. Does no one care about this? I. I <laughs> love. <laughs> I've. I don't use Siri. So. I have been interested in voice synthesis ever since like Dr. Spezzo on, yeah. the, on the Sound Blaster. Like ever since computers could do this, I've always been fascinated with what's possible. And like I love the War Games voice and I know it wasn't real. I know that it was like reversed words that were spliced together. But I just, there's something about voice synthesis that is, that has progressed recently to the point where like some things sound human. And I, I love it. Uh, this is the, here's a demonstration of the old Siri voice. Absolute zero is the lowest limit of the thermodynamic temperature scale, a state at which the enthalpy and entropy of a cooled ideal gas reach their minimum value, taken as zero. Right, and then here's the new one. I hope, let's see, it will around here somewhere. Absolute zero is the lowest limit of the thermodynamic temperature scale, a state at which the enthalpy and entropy of a cooled ideal gas reach their minimum value, taken as zero. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's very Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost at Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> like, it, it's still a long way to go, right. honestly. But I, I just love that we're making these kind of strides. And now, what's interesting is, like, up until iOS 13, the Siri voice has been constructed from phonemes that were recorded by actual humans. And now, th this is completely... Computer-generated. Computer-generated synthesized. But they're, mm -hmm. they're still using bass recordings and, and tuning they, them. Uh, there might be some sort of... Uh, auto-tune automation no it's not it's not using recordings and then altering at them. all no this is fully synthesized so this there is no person that obviously it's this... based on the same person but it's based and maybe it's using computer learning in whatever way that they do this they probably have those new computers pros yeah that's yeah thousand tracks of uh yeah yeah of, of pro tunes uh logic what how hmm. entirely generated by software yeah that is crazy yeah yeah uh, but people speak with different inflections, and so they have to make it. It's, it's still a choice, the type of inflection you're choosing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. To end the sentence with not up talk, right. to pronounce a word a certain way. One of the fun things about Siri is, is exploring all the different accents. Once you you know get an update, you can go through. I use British Siri personally, but there's Australian and all kinds. I mean, it can, it can go much more granular, theoretically. It can be your, it could be Siri that talks the way you talk. Well, wouldn't the, that be interesting? Right, it, based on all, maybe maybe in your lockbox of, yeah. uh, it, on your phone, of mm -hmm. all, all the voice commands you've sent it, all the pauses, yeah. and all the ways you pronounce things, it can talk back to. Would that be weird? I want, like, Samuel L. <laughs> Jackson. That'd be, like, you train no, like celebrity yeah. voices. At, at what for, point for does that become illegal, like an impersonation? Because well, you can't use the likeness, the fit, like, the... Yes, Back to the right. Future 2 proved that. Right, right exactly. Right. But can you use a voice sound-alike if yeah. it's a computer doing it? I believe that that is not... Like, for example, Infinity War. Mm -hmm. right? Spoilers for Infinity War. When you had Red Skull there, and they did not get Hugo Weaving back, but it was clearly a Hugo Weaving-sounding like yeah. voice performer, did they have to get Hugo Weaving's sign-off for right. the performance? Right. right. Or does it not matter? Mm-hmm. Mm. Because it's just a quote-unquote generic German accent. Yeah. Well, remember when uh, Roger Ebert lost his jaw, right? Mm -hmm. They did that that voice synthesis that was basically they had so much of his voice recorded mm -hmm. that they were able to basically make a box that, that talked like his, in his voice, right? So, 
And um, Stephen Hawking was offered much better sound th synthesis, but he turned it down because the original computer voice had become what he was associated with. Had become right. his voice. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to we talked about that Salvador Dali, like uh, oh the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the selfie fake, camera, yeah, thing. selfie camera, yeah. like a uh, kiosk, right? right. Like you know, these, the virtualization of, of people is is just going to be inevitable, both visually and as important auditorially. Right. Um, going back to what they did at the beginning, last two things: uh, Watch OS updated. So if you have the new Apple Watch, congratulations, you, you have apps. Well, <laughs> app you have store. an app store now, I guess. Like. This is them realizing, like, I, I, I'm so curious what the actual use percentage for apps yeah. is. Because I, it's got to be so low. I know. Yeah. And maybe putting an app store will encourage one? people no. to, to actually use those apps and have... I don't know. It, it feels like they need, need to spend more time, and they, it looks like they did, on building native apps, the like first-party apps, giving us a good suite of the first-party app stuff on, this, on the watch and just letting it, that be the feature set. Yeah, um, for the vast majority of it, like yeah, getting getting a notification when your lift is here, that's that's neat and that's useful for notification wise. But like, no one's ordering their cars that way. No. Um, so, but the calculator is there. Yep, with yeah. a tip, tip calculator. Tip calculator, sure, that, that's useful. Voice memos, I think, is hugely important. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think those are the other. Those are the only like big uh, first party native ones. How did this updates as well? Apple TV got an interesting update where it's um it's allowing gamepads from oh PlayStation, yeah, yeah. Microsoft, and PlayStation. Yeah, that's that opens up a lot. Yeah, of interesting. Remember this tying back to uh, IO uh, Steam. Oh yeah, yeah. Steam Link. Steam oh, Steam that's good right? timing, eh? Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Right. I hadn't thought about that. Right. Uh, also, the biggest feature, though, for IO, uh, TVOS that did not make its way to any other versions, what a slap in the face, multi-user support. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, that is so desperately needed on the iPad. Yeah. No, they would rather you buy two iPads. I know. I know. <laughs> no one's going to buy two Apple TVs for, their, for one TV. Right. So they'll give you multi-user there. Input two. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Thomas the Tank Engine's on this one, and then I don't know what's on the other one. Because iPad supports it in education. Like mm. if you're in a classroom, potentially it's there. Yeah, all right. It's but we will not give it to you. So that's good. I mean, Netflix has been doing that already. Yeah. Uh, so when you sign into Netflix, you can choose which account. So my kids are able to choose theirs, which is helpful. But yeah, OS wide, fantastic. Yeah, uh, that does it for our long Ooh. top story this week. And in fact, I think it's time uh, to uh, give a shout out to our. Uh, other sponsor who makes this episode possible, and that's uh, Sirius XM. If you don't know Sirius XM, then listen up. Sirius XM brings you the deepest variety of commercial-free music for every genre and for every mood. Uh, where you hear Sirius XM is where you hear the biggest names in talk, entertainment, and comedy. It's where you get news from every source. And a lot of people think that you need a car to enjoy Sirius XM, but you don't. You can listen outside of the car. And right now, you can get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com slash test to see the offer details and to subscribe. For $1, you can listen to SiriusXM on your phone, at home, and online. So anywhere you are, any time of day, you could hear your favorite songs or discover new ones. Go to Sirius, that's S-I-R-I-U-S, XM.com slash test and get your first three months of Sirius XM outside the car for $1. See offer details, offer available to new Sirius XM streaming subscribers and Sirius XM no car required.
All right. I have to say something. I listened to the podcast at 1.5x. Yeah. And so that sounds so slow to me. Like all oh, of the funny. transitions. Yeah. So it's like, wow, that took a long time. You're the guy who yeah. listened to a 1.5x. Yeah. So many podcasts, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Well, E3, you know, the giant bomb stuff, you have to listen at 2x because there's like four hours of podcasts oh a day. How does your brain even process that? I don't know. I'll like, pl- it's like the Matrix. I'll try to play it at half speed. Ambient noise. Uh, okay, in pop culture stuff, um, we're in the full summer movie swing. Uh, Endgame set the bar for all the movies this summer, uh, but now we have out Godzilla: King of the Monsters, mm. which came out to half and half. What's a, we'll call a mixed bag of reviews. Is it a, not a fresh tomato? I don't think it is. No. I, I have tickets to see it this week because I, I, I still want to see it. Right. Uh, because I, I love Godzilla. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, it's 40%, unfortunately, Oof. on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I heard it. Is... It's like, it's a great movie if you removed all the humans. Just, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The you want the around. monster cut. Right. Uh, uh, but out this week is Dark Phoenix, the last of the X-Men uh, non-MCU Disney X-Men movies. This is it? This this is the I think this is the last one they're they're gonna put out. I, uh, technically, I think New Mutants, Disney has is gonna put that out. But this is the the that, end of the that's twenty Disney. year. That's yeah. no no no. That was made by Fox like ah, a year right, ago. Right. They okay. just haven't released it. And Got Disney it. probably it's on their slate to release that, um, pending some reshoots. But of the core X Men franchise of what was started with Hugh Jackman back in ninety. Yeah, 2000, and uh, what was, uh, you know, then James McAvoy in the first class series. Uh, this is the culmination of that. The reviews are out, and they are not kind. No, <laughs> no. Uh, it has improved since I last checked. When I first checked, it was 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> wow. It's now 20% oh, no. on Rotten Tomatoes. And it, honestly... One, of course, it's disappointing if it is that bad. I'm going to reserve some judgment until I, I do see it. I'm, I'm wondering if it's going to get to the territory where it's so bad, it's worth watching to see what why. I, I don't. I, I saw it. So I, I normally I don't want to try to. I try to not watch trailers, but you know I saw this one in front of uh, Endgame, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I do not want to watch that movie. <laughs> well, one, it feels like it is like a a, a retelling because yeah. we had a a dark phoenix story in X-Men 3 which right. again that movie was plagued by a bunch of production problems bringing in a new director uh not going what original writers were intended Simon Kinberg who directs Dark Phoenix this year worked on that script for that one so this was his mm. chance to bring back and i think you go back to like one, how do you end? I think they knew this was going to be a conclusion. They knew the actors were kind of done with the role. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about the the younger actors with James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. They're big actors now, Jennifer Lawrence especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they needed to wrap it all up. And I, I, I don't know, like, what, I mean, I, how could it be this bad? I'm so, I, I, I don't understand. <laughs> right, go how do you get out. How do you get it wrong? Yeah, Report go, back. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah you just give her telekinetic powers. You do, you... you you know, cause some, have some cr- crazy action scene, you know, wh- I, I don't understand. Is it like that because the bar was set so high with Endgame as a wrapping up of a culmination of a, of a story that like reviewers and the, the, the public just like feels like they're exhausted from that and like this just, it, it, if it didn't hit those high notes, it, it can't meet any of those expectations. It, I, don't I doubt. Know. I, I mean, nobody it. sets out to make a bad movie, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, maybe this is just one of those things that like, just didn't come together. And, yeah. So, did you like Endgame, by the way? 
Yes, it did. Good. Um, I, I, I uh, basically thought it's like, well, it doesn't, I don't think it's great as a standalone movie. Like you have to have yeah. seen uh, at least a couple of the other movies yep. to get it. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I love those Twitter threads you sometimes see from people who have, like for, like for them, Infinity War was their first Marvel movie. <laughs> and they're, they're live tweeting or their friend is live tweeting their reactions. Like, what is that? There's a raccoon? What? <laughs> what is that? I don't get his character as a tree. A rabbit. Yeah. I, 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 don't think, I don't know if you could do that for, for any game. Yeah. Uh, but they're definitely confident enough in their story that they do not need to add like you know the the kind of the the pl- talky backstory elements right. that sometimes you do um because they, they know they're gonna make a billion dollars anyway right. like, oh remember when that happened yeah okay here's our next scene yeah right. uh speaking of endgame the directors the brothers russo i'm just gonna call them that from now on mm-hmm. joe and anthony uh have announced their next project um well, they have they do have a film coming out that's starring, starring Tom Holland. I think it's a more of a pretty real world story about opiate addiction and um, military service. But their next project after that, they're developing an animated show for Netflix based on Magic MTG. Oh my gosh, Magic the Gathering. That's so funny because I know this is a de- de- probably a I don't know, is it divisive the word. It's divisive in the sense that some people will care about it and some people will not care about it. Like I. Magic is not a part of my childhood. It's part it's, of your child's childhood. It's <laughs> definitely part of his, like in a big way. So I, I think that's interesting. You, you played Magic. I played Magic, way back. So are so, you excited about this? Yes, and so much that like it's it's if I, I don't know who the audience is. If it's animated, then like maybe they're going to reference a lot of the characters and stuff. Like literally in this Entertainment Weekly story, uh, the first line is planeswalkers are coming to Netflix. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Uh-huh. I, maybe this is a new magic thing, mm. right? Just talk about mana and for and, and talk about like Sarah Angel and then like the, the old stuff, like from Revise, and then I'll get that. No, I, like, I, I'm not that interested. I think. We have a whole like magic table and, and banners and everything in part of our office. So at in, Discord, at Discord, yeah, and, and so there was a lot of people that were really excited about this, and I was like, okay, I mean, I get it, like, huh, yeah. So I wonder what they're excited about because is the fiction a big part of playing that game? I think for some people it is, right? Um, I, maybe it's just you know this is more content around something I really enjoy, and so yeah. like, it, uh, and especially given that it's the end game, folks, like they'll probably do it right. Um, so I really I'll, hope I'll dive, dive in that they don't try to squeeze in mechanics as like, like, like game, game mechanics right? uh, like, like you have Doom 20 movie. life <laughs> oh no you your turn is over it'd be insane if like, i have tapped all my resources if the fantasy was about the existence of the, all of the characters but then there were these god cards that like slammed down no 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 the, the lords have spoken <laughs> <laughs> it's a bootleg card yeah. right? oh, my oh, goodness oh, was it there was that cheating scandal right a couple weeks ago where the guy was uh, marking his cards uh and so let like, us consult bent corners in, the inquest <laughs> the inquest magazine this this power is infinitely more rare than that card i'm playing with my revised power these are still in plastic yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have to check if this black lotus is real we must bend it <laughs> so yeah don't there's no need to like, I, i'm sure they won't but it's it's fun that it's, it's fun to joke about like because it does happen right you see it in like video game movies oh yeah all the time like, well i said the doom movie where they went into first person, first person as was... a novel as a, an, and it, it it just is a cinematographic like storytelling right. device i got it dude this okay. is going to be interactive this is going to use their interactive layer and you're going to be able to play cards yourself as a player 
There yeah, you go. it could happen. I, I, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, we have two choices here. We can stick with the Netflix. Here, here, here's your choose your own adventure, Jerry. <laughs> on the next story, we can stick with the Netflix segue, mm-hmm. or we can go with animation segue, an animated series segue. Uh, Netflix, please. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. So also coming out on Netflix and based on a beloved. 80s and 90s franchise is 90s no 80s well there are there are books in the 90s comic books a dark crystal and the first trailer for the dark crystal uh has been released yes this looks awesome it looks fantastic i I, mean i was surprised though i'm like i i have only seen the movie when i was a kid oh really yeah and i didn't realize there was comic books and i didn't either oh no no me neither i thought maybe you hadn't like ever seen the movie since you were a kid yeah, and I didn't know about that either with comic books. So, but puppets. It's all about, yeah. like, it's, this is Jim Henson uh, took the Muppets and went kind of serious. And it's a, is it PG rated? I don't know. It, it's it a bit was, scary. Yeah, yeah. The Skeksis when yeah. he, like, disintegrates and all that other stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's definitely a, some dark, some light elements to this film, if you haven't ever seen it. But it's, it's all puppetry. And it, they have redone all of this amazing puppetry like they haven't gone cg that would have been the obvious easy route to do i thought for sure like if they were going to remake something that's probably the way they would go but they do do some amazing cg background work and that's uh, a nice you know compositing of the old and the new but the oh my god the footage of these new puppets they just look spot on they look like they have reanimated the old stuff made it made them look a little bit better but wow i i can't wait to see this the characters always freaking me out a little bit, the elves, because mm-hmm. like they always look a little bit plasticky, a little it's bit like dead smooth face. Yeah, yeah the yeah. smooth face is yeah. it's a little bit creepy for me. Um, I like the Skeksis always. I thought that was, the creature design was great. Yeah. Uh, this is a 10-hour series. So this is a huge, expensive project. And we, we do know some folks who had worked on it over the past couple of years, working on some of the puppets, and everyone's super proud of it. So very excited for this to come out. Um, and that's soon on Netflix. In I have fact, to rewatch the film now. Yeah, beforehand. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that and like uh, Labyrinth are like the two. Yeah, those Dark are the two Henson, Jim Henson movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, also on uh, Netflix, uh, Black Mirror is out. New season, of Black Mirror. Okay. Oh. I know, Jeremy. You still haven't watched no. anything beyond. I've only watched that one. USS so Callister. That's <laughs> so good. Uh, I implore you. No, but is there a, is there one as good as? I haven't seen it yet. I, I, I'm saving, saving for this weekend. In the entire pantheon that you have seen, is there one as good as USS Callister? Emotionally or just from a kind of like creative storytelling, like like novel? Sure. And any, yeah, as good Emotionally, as? Emotionally, I think, yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I you, think you're a fan? Uh, I've only seen a couple episodes, actually, and, and I, I'm not sure why I haven't sort of deliberately gone back they're brutal uh, they're yeah. hard, hard to I watch like, whoa man what was that yeah. So, yeah um i will say if the christmas special that they did with that john Han- john ham stars in is one of the best that they've done okay and and that one yeah that one's worth watching was that season three uh between season two after season two okay it's on, it's on Netflix. Uh, okay, going back to the animation storyline. So uh, another, uh, this is a beloved franchise, definitely of the 90s, that's getting an animated take. And this time it's on DreamWorks. Also coming on Netflix, though, this is with part of the DreamWorks animation deal, Jurassic World, the animated series. What are you talking about? Jurassic World, Jurassic Park, the universe, is getting an animated show on Netflix, courtesy of DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. Got to spend that twelve billion dollars somehow. 
on content. Wow. That, that sigh, Jeremy, tells me everything Do you, I need to know. Is the world asking for more Jurassic World content? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they must be. Have, have we They have must we have. The kids stories? love dinosaurs. They must yeah. have data on this, and they're saying, yeah, they're asking for it. Man, so it's called Camp uh, Cretaceous? Yeah, Camp Cretaceous. Is there another movie coming out? Yes, there is. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, oh yeah, Jurassic World three. Like, um, when um, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Chris Pratt. No, the director of the Jurassic <laughs> World, who was going to direct a Star Wars movie, um, Campbell. Typey, 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 typey. Fact checking ruins podcasts. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, it... Colin, sorry, okay. I was thinking Colin Campbell. Yeah. But Colin Trevenow. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When he pitched the original, the idea of a new trilogy for. Jurassic Park movies to Universal. It was thought of as a trilogy, a full oh, story. Did not know. So Jurassic World, the first one was about you know the a fulfillment of the park, and then and then the second one has echoes of Jurassic Park two, and that the dinosaurs go into the real world. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so the third one is theoretically dinosaurs are going to be all over the world. Mm. Uh huh. Like that's why it's called Jurassic World, not Jurassic Park. Wasn't because... the first one called Jurassic World? Right, but that's why the series, like that's why oh. this trilogy is a Jurassic World trilogy. It's about what happens. Like it's not just contained in the park. So the park is, is no more. The island's gone. The world is the park. Like the world, it's it's like this is the fulfillment of what happens when you mess with genetics. So when, when is that coming gone. out? I think that's in again, googling, twenty twenty one. Oh wow! Okay. And Colin Trevorrow is coming back to direct it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Kids love dinosaurs. Um, and I, I, Draft House a couple months ago showed the original Jurassic Park, and I went to see it, and I'm like, wow, this this is still amazing. Did um, you ever see it when it did a 3D release? I never saw the 3D release. Um, I know that it is released on like 3D Blu-ray, but I, uh, that's the one I wish I'd gone to see. Yeah, you gotta charge up those glasses. Yeah, no, no one. Oh, I don't. My no, t- that TV's I don't gone. Know, I don't yeah, have yeah. a TV. I sold that TV. <laughs> you watch it in the go. Just rip it down. It's the best experience. Uh, the quest. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I could find find that. Yeah. Um, and last bit of pop culture news. What do we got? What do we got? Oh, well, we didn't. This was in the Apple section, but they had the trailer for All Mankind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. This is, um, hmm. hmm. This is alternate history. It's Ron Moore. Right. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar right. Galactica, DS9, right. uh, Outlander, which I, I know because we're watching that at home right now. And uh, this is his Apple. This is like the, the first piece of trailer content we've seen. Mm-hmm. The from the Apple from, from the Apple TV uh, service. Yes, the yeah. Apple streaming whatever that service, is. whatever their Netflix yeah, competitor. Right. It starts out with all this moon landing footage, you know, go to the moon, Apollo uh, 13? 11? 11. 11. Yeah. And it's all, it's, you know, it looks all very authentic, uh, true to history, and then the headline lands on the table. Red moon. Red moon. The Russians yeah. have landed on the moon. Yeah. So it's the... Uh, it's like a uh, Red Sun, the the classic Superman story. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. the, what if he he went to Russia and became um, a, a Soviet hero? Right. Well, it's what if the Soviets land on the moon in '69? Well, the the space race doesn't end there, and so it goes on. It's alternate history, which I like. If they have the money, this, alternate history is tough to do right if you don't have the budgets. Right. And I think Amazon has done a good job with Man in the High Castle mm-hmm. with that. They spent a ton of money on it, um, and obviously Apple has all the money, so. Uh, <laughs> 
the world building is if they can if they can spend the money on it and make it believable i'll, I'll watch it yeah well tim cook said he saw all of it yeah that's right it, so that's right kind of a weird thing to yeah, i know it's weird a little, flex, but. Yeah, weird flex. <laughs> <laughs> i've i've seen all of it and it's great it's yeah. amazing i love like that's the other thing that they do in the keynotes they like they tell you how to feel about it this feature it's amazing. Well, that right. that's an old Steve Jobs trick. It's incredible. The, he, yeah. he it doesn't work. No, but he used to like he's the master, and like he used to do that under his breath. He would like he would oh, show you things, and then oh, is that me? Yeah. This should be on DND. He would show you things, and then he would say like, "It's incredible." <laughs> as if he was as if he wasn't sharing it with right, you. As right, if, like, right. He was so taken aback, and he was like, "Oh, <laughs> I've done something so good," but like, but now it's just like. They've scripted it out, and, and after every feature, it's just yeah. so tiresome. I, th- I thought the presenters were really excited. This yeah, time. there was a lot yeah. of like, yeah, yeah, let's cheer, everybody clap. Yeah, you know, no, no, like no, uh, so. no, <laughs> no, please clap. Is exciting the, is excited the word or is energetic like, jazz over rehearsed? They're jazzed. We'll see. Uh, any other bits of pop culture? You guys want to talk about? I do want to give a recommendation for uh, Good Omens on Amazon. Mm. Uh, this is the Neil Gaiman TV show. Hugely uh, recommended. It's just six episodes. Really, really good. Um, I've been reading a lot of books lately. So, Oh, yeah? Any yeah. recommendations? So, uh, well, Three Body Problem, and then I, I read Dark Forest and Death's End. Oh, you did read Okay, okay you did. Yeah. I, okay. What, what did you think of the the full trilogy? Uh, I, was, I was really impressed. I mean, just the world building that happens in there. Um, and then in kind of the post-apocalyptic thread, um, The Dog Stars. Uh, which was a uh, bestseller. It's it's another like, you know, something kills a lot of people uh, in the world. And then um, Station Eleven, which is uh, kind of along the same thread. So I, I I'm just in this sci-fi kick. But then uh, on nonfiction, um, Educated by Tara Westover is is fantastic. If you get a chance. Mm. Uh, I guess the one last bit of pop culture news that we should talk about is the opening of Galaxy's Edge. Oh right, it opened last week. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, people have gone to the park. I've seen so many people post on 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 Instagram and on, on social media about like their photos from from the park. Uh, the one ride is open. And what from, the Millennium Falcon? Yeah. Yes, and from all counts, it's incredible. Yeah. How's the lines? Uh, well, you know the word they're doing it now. I mean, the it's lines the are wristbands, long. right? Like it's the, it's timed entry. Yeah. Like you go to the park. It's like you, a fast pass for everyone. It's a fast pass just to get into the the area. Oh. Like, you can't just walk in like you could for Cars Land. It's in proper Disneyland proper. But you have, because they, they want to sell you the idea that you are being transported to a, not just a different area in Disneyland, but a whole new world to Galaxy's Edge. And so they gather all the people at your time. Yeah. And then they kind of walk everyone in. No, I know then, about that. but And then you spend as much time there as you want. No, right. you have four hours. Four, wait, it, it, they're limiting yeah, it now? Yeah, so they're limiting yeah. it now. And, and so like if you're oh. if you're at like past, because your, your wristband tells you there's like different colors. Mm. And so the staff or cast members, I guess, uh, know that you're not supposed to be there after then four hours. Then they escort you out? Well, they said like, oh, you better get out of here before the stormtroopers show up and, and things like that. To, how, how far could you press that? Yeah, I, and I, I, I don't think anybody's sort of seen what happens like no i refuse to leave disney jail uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's underground yes uh, but it, it, they were saying bit. like what was it uh polite but forceful uh was what forceful. I heard. but how much yeah. of that mm. four hours are you spending in line for the falcon 
probably a lot of that's it. what i want to know no the, someone has already come up with like the right sequence it's like when you <laughs> walk in you're supposed to go with like reserve your lightsaber build time and then you go to the store and then like you do the falcon laugh because there's something. A, a discrete number of things to do right yeah they, yeah x number of restaurants x number of stores they x serve alcohol rides they do serve alcohol and like x number of ways to spend money if right. you want to buy a droid or buy a lightsaber 200 yeah. lightsaber um so you can kind of maximize yeah, four yeah. hours well you, they even have like the um what like a hundred dollar gift card but it's actually it looks like a coin that's in, like another collectible so it's basically if you want to have that thing you effectively you need to, yeah you need to spend not, well uh, no you have one it's like a hundred bucks so it's like hey you know you buy the one right. leave make a mold cast it <laughs> keep the casting and then spend the real one i mean so frank I'm, shop's not that far away yeah, right right just just throw, throw it over the fence <laughs> right store it back in in two hours and 30 minutes while right. you can still spend it it's like that scene from sneakers yeah, uh, I I, uh, I I can't wait to go. Yeah. But uh, very cool that that stuff is open now. Let me know when you want to go. Long time coming. Oh, we'll do a big family trip. We'll go. Can't yeah, wait we'll, till the baby's old enough, or ditch the baby. No, ditch the yeah. baby. Well, you have to stay in the hotel right now to get the ticket. To oh, get you have in. to stay in one of their hotels. Yeah. No. Yeah, and the the nights it's like six hundred dollars a night right now. They haven't said how long it's going to be under this like regime, but <laughs> okay, we'll I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Oh, are we done? We're done. All right. With this section. All right, here we go. This week's episode of This Is Only a Test is made possible with support from Pedal. Debt is a massive problem. And the truth is, traditional credit card companies don't do much to help. But now there's a new kind of credit card company called Pedal. Pedal was started by a group of people who were sick of old school credit card companies. That's why their Visa credit card has no fees. And their mobile app is designed to help you manage spending responsibly. Pedal's cashback program rewards you for doing the right thing. Earn 1% cashback right away and up to 1.5% cashback when you make 12 on-time payments. Pedal is a great modern option for anyone, but especially those who are just starting to build credit because you can even qualify even if you've never had credit in the past. Pedal partners with WebBank member FDIC. As of today, the Pedal Visa's variable APRs range from 15.24% to 26.24%. It's about time a credit card company helped you succeed financially. Check out the Pedal Credit Card. It's responsible credit for the modern world. Go to pedalcard.com slash test today to find out more. Once again, that's pedal with a T. Pedal, P-E-T-A-L, card.com slash test. Hey, I'm going to start with some car news. Uh, congratulations to our old friend, Ryan McCaffrey, who got a one-on-one interview with Elon Musk mm-hmm. uh, for an hour on his podcast, uh, for his podcast, Ride the Lightning. And uh, interesting discussion, you know, not a ton of new info. You know, stuff. Not true. Well, the one <laughs> bit of new info that was revealed there and then reported elsewhere is that in addition to the Atari games that they're putting onto the Tesla's, they're going to be full-on, like, Xbox-style arcade games, including well Cuphead. Now, I, that's what was reported, but if you actually listen to the podcast, I think all that Elon says is they got it working. So Unity is working on the Tesla screen now. Uh, uh, so they can run Unity games. But Cuphead is an 11-gigabyte game. I don't think that there's enough storage for that. I can't imagine So that. they said it'll only be the first level. 
Ah, yes. And because of storage capabilities. What a stress test for their their processor because it is a brutal game and timing is extremely important in that Mm -hmm. game. You don't want the latency. Yep. I don't know what the quality of experience will be. Like, will it be you know, plug-in controls only? Because no way they're going to let people play with, with touchscreen controls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would be happy if they were just like Cuphead-style screensavers on those cars. Sure. Entertain the kids. It's a cool looking. Right? It's a right. great looking game. You can play with an Atari 2600 joystick if you really want. Right. Yeah, you could. Sure. You could. Oh, yeah, you could, anyone could build one. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, so that's, 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 the, that's the Tesla news. Um, it's neat. I, I, like, how far will they go? Why, why, at some point, you know, it's, you, the more you're putting more effort into it, then you get kind of press, Ryan right? talked about it, and I was surprised that this struck him as much as it had struck me. It's, there's that line, there's that quote from the Joe Rogan interview that he did with Elon Musk, where Elon said that he wants the Tesla to be the most fun thing you could possibly own. Is and, that before or after he had the controlled substances? <laughs> right. I don't think he inhaled. Okay, I don't think so. But I mean, that's that. This is along those lines. Like this is just, you know, just having fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, are you gonna play Cuphead on yours? No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll, I'll launch it. <laughs> okay. I won't play it. Like I won't yeah. do a playthrough. Yeah. Well, yeah. you don't like launch the Atari games right now, right? Yeah. No, you play it once and that's it. He I mean, didn't like, even know they added new ones. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, make the car fun for driving. It, which it is, I it assume. Is. I mean, yeah. And, and, and it yeah. is. Uh, and and, and the, the, the fart machine, that's great fun. You like that? I like the fart machine. <laughs> I got a baby, I can make the baby fart. Baby <laughs> loves it when Dylan You know that's positional? Like, he can control where the fart comes yes, from in the I, fart. I did, hear that. I did hear about that. It's like the <laughs> next-gen whoopee cushion. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. And you can have it controlled with, uh, with the... the, the with steering wheel controls. Oh, the steering wheel. Okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Well, I'm not changing the music. I'm, I'm, I'm just pressing the button here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I did have a, a severe battery anxiety yesterday. Oh. I, I, my mistake, I forgot to charge it fully past 90%, like the, the full dr- day's drive, because mm-hmm. normally you would set your car to only charge the 90% to preserve the, the battery life. Um, and I didn't do that. So, I lost the extra 30 miles and we drove to Sacramento Ooh. and back. And in rush hour traffic, and I got home with <gasps> 12% battery. I thought wow. you meant your phone. No, I texted you, Jeremy. Yeah. And I was on the bridge. <laughs> I was like, Yeah, what? I can imagine you sitting like by the toll gate. He must like, have forgotten, uh... forgotten his phone cable. <laughs> no, the car battery said, because it gives you a range. I had, the, I had to go back to the office oh my God. to do some work, and I was seriously thinking of driving home and not going to the office or. So I could drop the car off and charge, yeah, and then right. drive the, another car or something to the office, Oof. and that was the first time. I think it, it's we have a lot of superchargers in in area, but there still could be more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is why I don't have electric. The, the range anxiety would just drive me crazy. So, and, and for day to day, it doesn't. Right. With proper planning, it doesn't. With and with proper planning, right, it, it doesn't. Um, but in those cases, like you could be caught off guard and. If you're in a rush to get somewhere, you right. just got to build in that you know extra whatever time it takes to to top off or to, right. to fill up just a little bit. Uh, uh, what other tech we went, we went through? So much Apple stuff. Hey, uh, DJI, remember those guys? Yeah, yeah, they they, drones. They make quads. Yes, uh, they have a new professional uh, quad. Oh, no, is it a quad? Octo. It's Octo. It's right. four uh, struts, well, but yes. uh, top rotor and bottom rotor. Right. Yeah. 
So it's called the DJI Storm, and it's probably for people who uh, are buying the Mac Pro. Yeah. The new Mac Pro. Yeah, people with unlimited funds. Yes. Right. Yes, it is so big and so advanced and has a giant like stabilization system with a payload of 40 pounds. 40? 40 pounds like, payload. That's a child. Yeah, you can just like strap your kid on it. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's in comparison to uh, so 40 pounds is what? Uh, how, many, how many kilos is that? 30. 14 18, 18 kilos 18, 18 yeah. kilos about, 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 yeah so the previous one was only a six kilo about a 12 pound payload that's so just a is, baby yeah and it goes up to 50 miles per hour mm-hmm. and it can fly 15 minutes with that payload which well, is like eight to 15 right <laughs> but i think if, if yeah in the video they actually like sort of suggest that it's easy to swap the pack the the battery mm-hmm. so i'm um, like Assuming you can't have a shot longer than fifteen minutes, but yeah, um, it, you know the the gimbal underneath itself is about eight thousand dollars. So this is definitely a, a, a high mid five figure, uh, five figure drone. I mean, it'd right? be interesting if they had a, like an extended battery pack that used some of that payload weight. You know, if you didn't need it all for your camera system, you could fly for an hour. Well, I think they probably factored in like, hey, what is the heaviest camera that someone yeah. would want to strap to this thing? Plus right? all their gimbals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what you, there's a version that comes with like a film crew or something. It's like a, it's basically like a pit crew. It's for, it's, it's for professional services. Uh, professional cinematography companies are renting out services. Same mm-hmm. companies that have helicopters that then get hired by studios and productions. To, or like the crane or something. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. It's just another tool like that. But it's not just operators for the quad and the camera. It's a full editing bay oh in, in the truck yeah it's a big yeah. like optimus prime you get you get right. optimus with <laughs> that, right and optimus in the back and the semi has the has, has your editing station yeah yeah the, so they know where the, the market is right now which is big I, th- productions there have been people ever since they've been around there have been people building their own large-scale quads to lift heavy cameras mm-hmm. and now they're i guess they're just taking a putting their toe into that high-end market yeah um one of Adam's crew built his own quad, right? Yeah, Back yeah, on okay. Mythbusters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. I think it was, like, they also showed the OK Go video when they filmed that, when they like did the big pull-up. I think that person had like a Octo or... Oh, yeah? Yeah, so... Yeah. Hey, E3 is next week, and anticipate a bunch of uh, news coming out of there. Uh, one bit of news that came out from Microsoft is that their Xbox Game Pass is coming to the PC. Mm-hmm. Do you use Xbox Game Pass? Is that, is that a worthwhile service? Uh, yeah, I mean, if... If you, yeah, all, you know, all the new releases are on it. Um, and Can you tell me what it is? I don't have an Xbox. Uh, so it's basically like a subscription service. So um, like you see it's 60 bucks. Uh, or I don't actually remember how much I paid for it, like 15 bucks a month or something. And um, you, like when games are released, you can just like download them and play them. So like Sea of Thieves was like one of the launch titles. And they're saying for PC, they didn't name any specific titles. They just talked about publishers, but it's you know 100 games that you can just you know download and play uh, via on, their launcher. Via their launcher, right on, on the PC. So yeah, um, and this makes sense, right? It, it, it seems like there's a lot of things that are starting to combine PC and the Xbox um, together. I think it's a real hard. It's a real tough sell because unless you are unless you have the library, mm-hmm. like on a Steam or even on. You know, Epic or you know, like you guys, you yeah. guys have a games library. Unless right. you like, start with a big library, it's hard to s- sell a subscription service with like 
publishers, quote unquote, publisher support or a hundred games. Because hundred games sounds like a lot, but right. how many of those are you know you're actually going to play? It yeah. doesn't feel the value proposition doesn't feel like it's there. It's right. the same number that Apple used for their arcade, but all of those are exclusive. I think. Yeah, I mean, hundred exclusive games. I thought so. Yeah. Thought they were funding all of those. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, this this is why you know Netflix has you know fourteen billion dollars worth of debt, right? Um, it's because they're in the content war, right? And so it's who's going to spend more and 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 can you really in be in the content war for for games because they're not made the same way? No, but you, I mean, what you can do is you can do exclusive, right? You can lock up a title for some amount of time by giving them funding or or you know upfronts or something. But so. there's so many alternatives, yeah. like as opposed to content where people are. You know, they're devoted to a show. You can't just change one political show for another political show. Right. Or one science fiction show for another science fiction show. They, they love the actors. They love the storylines. For games, you know, if one sh- type of shooter isn't there and, and locked up, they'll play another shooter. Or mm-hmm. if one RTS or one MOBA isn't there, they'll play another one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're seeing this right now with, like, the Epic Store, right, where they they're, they have, like, launch exclusivity. Yeah. Um, and so it's if you want to buy it, you have to pretty much buy it from them. Yeah. So. And the value isn't just in the, the difference is the value isn't just in in the content, it's in the community mm-hmm. for games. Right. So much of it is. Yeah. And that's less so with the traditional types of media. Right. Yeah. Well, at at yeah. least those kind of exclusives are job security for developers for a, a year or two. Right. Which they don't necessarily have by going completely independent. Like, it's a huge gamble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gosh, is there any other... This week is not big on... On tech, uh, blah. <laughs> what are you? I'm like looking at these stories, and I'm like, no, the story is boring. Leap right. Motion's sold. Yeah, Leap Motion did sell. They yeah. were going to sell to Apple. Well, they were going to a couple of deals, I guess, with Apple yeah. reportedly fell through, and they were, who knows? But the deals were reported to be more than they got by selling off to a uh, a, a UK competitor. Yeah. Mm. For, Wasn't that kind of the like, people thought like that? Uh, that face plate on the Valve Index, would yeah. you like stick a, a stick the a lead motion in there? I mean, like because they did have wonderful uh, incorporation into the original, like even the, I want to say like well certainly the CV1, right? The Oculus Rift, they that's oh, when they right. that's when they pivoted, yeah, and they became a VR you know accessory. Mm-hmm. But I think they were even working with like the DK2, um, and it's neat. Like I hooked it up, you got full fledged hand tracking on mm-hmm. the on the Oculus you know Rift, and it was a uh, Great, and that's what I everyone assumed that index hole is for, but who knows? Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, um, I think we're let's just skip the rest okay. of this tech stories. You're good because I I don't think there's anything worth talking about. Okay. There's some phone stuff, you know, some five G stuff, but I don't think anything is yeah super um, notable. I put in here. I mean, the the Google and Facebook uh, stocks both took a big hit uh, this week, and that's because of FTC and. Uh, uh, DOJ investigations, like mm-hmm. antitrust investigations. So it's one of those, this could be important, but we won't know for quite a while. What about Bitcoin? It also took a hit. It, oh. Is all those things did, correlated? Did it? Uh, yeah. It looks like down like $1,000. Oh, my oh, goodness. In wow. the past few days. Looks like 50% of that? You can get a tweet from Norm's Bitcoin. It's not yours anymore. Right? <laughs> it's <But> not. <laughs> I did get a tweet yeah. recently. Oh, okay. So someone out there is still listening. Cool. And you want to talk about pinball? You know, I, it does feel weird for us both to be on here and not talk about pinball. I think that's actually how wait, we wait, met, wait. Right? There's a segment. I'm a pinball nerd. Pin, 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 pin. Just to my point. Finally, pinball. That makes.
make me very happy. It was the, a rhetorical question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's always a rhetorical question. <laughs> I met you because of pinball. Right. You know, that's how I initially met you because I you bought uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. From from Future. We had that in, our, in the lobby uh, during my second round, probably after you left and started to test it. I'm not sure, but um, you're a huge pinball collector. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I mean, at California Extreme, go to that every year and, and uh, seeing all the new pinballs. You know, I, actually, a lot of new releases have been underwhelming, I think. Um, like Black Knight uh, kind of just yeah. came out. Yes. Yeah. Steve Ritchie's third in the trilogy. Right. First one came out in 1980, second in 89, and now we have the finally the third. Yeah. And the great thing about that is that it's Stern's first, you know, non-movie, non-rock band, non-TV show game. Right. In forever. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I'm glad they're doing it like original IP. You know, it's, yeah. it's not tied to a license. Well, it's not original. It's like well, it's yeah, Williams sorry. IP, right? right? But at least it's, I, it's at least like, pinball IP. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not like a movie or, or TV yeah. show or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 the the last good pinball machine for me was Iron Maiden. Me too. Um, which is is super fun. But then like the Beatles came out, and that's not great. Um, yeah, then, I'm not nuts oh, about the Beatles either. Yeah. So, um, but. The designer, Keith Elwin, for Iron Maiden is due for a game. Like, all the other designers have taken their turn. So, like, whatever he's working on, it, it should be soon. It should be, uh, you know, I would think the next game or one after Okay. for Stern's lineup. And so I'm excited to see what Keith comes up with next. Nice. Do we have any rumors in terms of what that, that IP might be? Probably, but I, I, don't, I don't surf Pinside as much as I used to, so okay. I don't know what those rumors are. Okay. Do you, do I, do you know of any? I do not. I do not, so... We'll see. Uh, have you played Willy Wonka? I have not played Willy Wonka. Is yeah. this the new Stern one? Yeah, no, no, this is the Jersey Jack. Oh, Jersey Jack. Yeah, um, and it, it 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 looks interesting. I played it at the Lodi show at the okay. Golden State Pinball Festival, and I and I was really pleasantly surprised. Good, good, but expensive. Yeah, well, they're all expensive. Yeah, is this a wide table or is this a standard? No, size? it's standard. But because Jersey Jack always said he would only do wide, but then he brought on Pat Lawler. Who is you don't, only wants to design? You don't tell Pat Lawler what to do. <laughs> it's like I did Twilight Zone and Adam's Family, right? <laughs> and so he he did uh, dialed in at first, yeah. Which, by the way, the original title for that was Killer App, right? Which oh, I, I I like that more. I much prefer, yeah, because um, it's definitely more about apps than it is about like making phone calls. Right. This is a pinball machine <laughs> that like has a fake smartphone in it that yeah, you right. launch apps. Well, Killer I, App is great. I didn't know you knew that. What? I, I've, I've played the game before. <laughs> this is great. I did not know that. Yeah. Dial did, in. Did not yeah. Helicopters and like you're yeah, saving drones. the city. And quadcopters. Quadcopters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Willy Wonka is his next game. Oh. For, uh, so now he's like got a feel for the technology, the platform, and the shots feel really good. When you awesome. lose, does it play Cheer Up Charlie? <laughs> the worst song? <laughs> I don't, don't, no, I don't. Cheer I think they only licensed two or Charlie. three songs, including Pure Imagination. Of course. That's right. Candyman? Don't think so. That's only for the musical. No. That's not in the movie, is it? No. It's in the, no. It's, it's, oh, well, you, you know what? doesn't sing it. Yeah, I, I guess when you, when you drain the ball, it should say like, um, I said good day, sir. <laughs> I said, I said good, good day, sir. <laughs> Uh, it, it just it feels really good. Like I didn't, I wasn't into the reveal. I thought it, they oversold things, and I felt like the music was annoying. But it shoots great, okay. and the, the lighting effects maybe the best I've ever seen. Like, nice, it's really cool. So yeah, I, I look forward to that one. It's probably shipping in a month or so. Nice, I can't wait. What's to play the last it. new game you bought? The last new game I bought, 
uh, actually it has been a while. It was a uh, Star Trek limited edi- edition. Do you still have it? I do. You like that game? Yeah, I love that game. It's super fast. That's also the same designer as Black Knight. Oh. Yeah, Steve Ritchie. Well, you know. Can't win them all. Can't win them all. <laughs> they, everybody has a bad game in there. I love Star Trek, too. Oh, it's a beautiful play field for Willy Wonka. Yeah. yeah. Very colorful. Yeah. Very, very colorful. Uh, and I'll be going to Pinburg this summer, so we'll, we can chat more about that later. That's the biggest pinball tournament in history. And yeah. thankfully this year does not coincide the same weekend. That's California Extreme. That's California yes. Extreme. Yeah. And Star-Lords is going to be back? Yes. 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 We're yes. bringing it back. Sweet. Uh, highly recommended. Star-Lords is amazing. Ah, thanks. <laughs> um, you want to talk about VR? Let's do it for 10 minutes. The VR Minute, virtual reality this week. Okay, since we recorded last week, we went to Augmented World Expo, saw a couple things. Videos are coming out this week and next. And uh, one of the things we saw was announced there was the Nreal um, AR glasses. These are uh, the base price $500 consumer augmented reality glasses or developer edition that includes uh, the, com- the computer. Mm-hmm. So what do you do without the computer? You have to plug into your phone. Mm-hmm. They have a partnership with Qualcomm. So I believe it's Qualcomm uh, 845s or 855s or mm-hmm. both. Um, but basically your latest Samsung and your or your latest uh, LG ThinQ and, uh, and OnePlus phones will have those. USB-C, and you can run the processing off of your phone, and it becomes your controller, a 3DOF controller your phone does. Uh, but it is a very kind of standard augmented reality um, implementation with a combiner, you know, two 1080p displays. In terms of the tech. That's In used. terms of how they get the image actually onto your field of view. So very much like yeah. what like Meta, did, Meta did, but in a very, very small That's their innovation, that they've really minimized all of the mechanics. The size and weight electronics. Right. of this. Yeah, so, it looks like a big pair of sunglasses. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. normally with, with augmented reality glasses, you've got all this you know, computing power up top, right. pro- projectors and whatnot. If you're doing the combiner system, which is a projected image that gets reflected you know, into uh, like a 45 degree angle. Yes. Yeah, and they can still get a fairly wide field of view, even though the form factor is very small. So very low throw for their for display. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was cool though about Augmented World Expo was across in the press room they had this room that was like the museum of augmented reality. Oh, and I got well of headsets of, of headsets. headsets. Yeah, and it was had to be like thirty headsets there. Is that it? Kind of it felt it like was, 40, oh, 50. Yeah, it was a ton of headsets on heads. Yeah. Across the room, you can just go, you know, one by one and check out what AR, this was strictly AR, AR. Okay. Not, not VR headsets, AR headsets look like 30 years ago. Mm. And all the way to the modern day headsets from Magic Leap to HoloLens to uh, things like the Nreal. Mm-hmm. But it was just really cool to see yeah. all the different ergonomic implementations. And we're talking about like, things that full field of view had like things that were covering one eye, very sci-fi looking things, very right. bulky, big things with big, uh, very long throw displays. Um, but that was really cool. I wish there was a curator there who would just oh. like, all day, like yeah. I wanted the Oasis. I wanted Simon Pegg's character <laughs> right. to pop up. And in maybe in AR and like tell me about this headset for, for fifteen minutes and Absolutely. tell me about that. I would spend a lot of time in there. Nice. Yeah, That's, and that and then they could give you like a simulation of what it looked like. Oh, because if you had the perfect AR headset, yeah. then they could like narrow the field of view, or right. like you lose your your uh, uh, convergence or something. Or, right. Yeah. But, wow. Was a uh, Tilt Five there? 
Uh, no. I was not there. At oh, least not okay. that we saw. Jerry's been teasing a lot on Twitter, though. Yeah, it was a sign-up form now, right, for, mm-hmm. for some of the information. I signed up, so yeah. I definitely want to. I still have that old dev kit. Ah. Uh, it's like floating in a closet somewhere. You have, you... you have a Surface that you can use it on? Yeah, well, it came with a roll of that wow. of that uh, reflective material. So, mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that a lot of the AR headsets were owned by the director of HoloLens. Oh, but, in the museum. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that that just gave me that gave him a lot of street cred for me, like <laughs> to have the hardware. Yeah, he's not he's everything. not like just some guy who like moved over from the Word program. You know, like he. No, he's a long term. <laughs> yeah, he's AR, a serious nerd. AR dude. Right. Uh, other AR or VR news? Well, I went to the Vive X demo day yesterday. Okay. Um, would you like to hear a little bit about that? Sure. So this is Vive's incubator. Yes. They, they have committed a hundred million dollars to. Um, funding. Um, this is their fourth batch of companies. It's uh, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, it is. And wow. but w- it's not like it's not in order to sell headsets. This is basically venture ca- capital. This is them looking to fund companies that they hope you know one in ten will you know get bought out and they'll do very well for themselves and they'll do better than break even. And so. What I ended up getting, and I didn't realize that I thought I was going for a series of demos. I, I went for a series of, of stage presentations. <laughs> so it was like two hours of where, the, where each company is, what funding they're looking for next, what their business plan is. And it, so it was a lot of that. But I, there are a couple interesting companies, and I, I did get to try one demo um, of a company that, has ta- that takes 360 video footage and converts it to six stuff. Oh, mm. so okay. a lot. Everyone knows who's into VR. If you look at a 360 video in a, in a headset, um, it's great for looking around. But if you move your head or you walk, uh, mm-hmm. it's very disorienting because you you don't move in in the space. You just mm-hmm. your head moves, and you don't that doesn't get reflected in the visuals. So they've come up with a way to analyze video, send it up to the cloud, send it back, and uh, you can basically walk through it. And it's while it does it does give you that ability, it doesn't actually interpret the geometry so like i'm standing on the beach and it's flat like the water is rushing up but it's not you know right. the waves are not three-dimensional right. right yeah um nonetheless like they are solving a problem of people being being comfortable um what that was um spatial 360 was the name of that that software uh there's another one that modal they're doing uh location-based stuff and they do a lot of installations that just use like off-the-shelf hardware, okay. um, where like you know two people stand with um, like five focuses or something, and the, and they play pong with each other. Uh. But it doesn't require like physical infrastructure. Um, but they are they, their new plan is to um, augment laser tag arenas, oh. and they're mm. saying that they can do it with any basically any laser tag setup, and they're calling it area x and it's like a laser tag overlay system where they'll come in i I, I, like i would be very curious to see how they do this but they're gonna you know somehow scan the environment and then allow you to basically play like an augmented reality game in a wide like arena scale area Mm. that's interesting because i don't know what their returns are on laser tag like according to their graphs you know they're a downward trend after installation um it would be that's a really compelling use case uh, given that those spaces already exist, and the places where people are setting up um, location-based things, it's not the void. You know, it's not like specialized spaces. It's all very like in the lobby, very bare bones. Yeah. There's no structures. Yeah, physical. It's it's expensive to build physical structures. 
and, and Rams. Absolutely. And, all that stuff. and it's a gamble. Yeah. Um, Lu- there's a company called Lucid Labs, which uh, they're using the, um, is it called the Vive Eye? What's the one that has uh, eye tracking? Um, the Toby? It has Toby incorporated into it, but mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, they, like I, you always knew that eye tracking would be used for um, Foveate Renner. Well, that's true, but very few of these companies are like games focused. Mm-hmm. So this is like a this is to c- collect data and metrics on what people are looking at. Mm. So they they have um, incorporated both eye tracking and EEG. So they have added mm. sensors into the headset. Wow, and they're partnering with companies so that you can look at their products and without saying a word, they know how you feel about it. Oh boy. Very, <laughs> very specific components, okay. aspects of it. So that they'll load the model of a car in front of you and their software will record where you spend your time looking and what your brain does when you look at those areas. Okay. Wow. This is good, like getting closer to strange days, right? Where you just like stick something on your head and start seeing stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't, who's going to volunteer for that? Well, they'll pay you. They'll pay uh-huh. you a hundred bucks to come in and like look at their car, and you don't have to fill out a form. Like in a sense, it's better. Uh, it's better for everybody, right? Because they get more detailed feedback, and you don't have to spend your time typing out paragraphs about what you thought about the headlights, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, I mean, that's the theory, right? So, but you're right. Like it is. You have to be. Vo- you have to be voluntary. Okay. Like eventually, this will just be built into baseball hats, right? <laughs> <laughs> or sunglasses. Westworld caps. Yeah, 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 Westworld caps, right? It's it's the it's the hat, the hat. Yeah, right. yeah. Good or evil. Yeah. So that was it. I, I, that's the that's the future of AR and VR. Right. And uh, like we saw a few more other things at AWE that we'll have videos about. But one game outside of that we played, I want to talk about before we wrap up the show because yeah. we're running short on time, is Free Diver. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, this is recommended online from uh, VR Oasis. Uh, came out this past week, and a bunch of VR games are coming out this past week. There's the Justin Rowling game, Trover Says Universe. I'm really excited to play that. Uh, that might actually be the first game I'll, I'm, I'm going to try to get to run wirelessly from the PC to the Quest, because it feels like I want to I want to play that game, but I don't necessarily need to be standing at my standing desk. I hear play. it plays best with a gamepad, actually. And, I mean, I can use touch controllers and emulate yeah. the gamepad yep. and sit in my living room if I can Yeah, but I hear beam. it plays better with a gamepad oh, than better. touch controllers. Oh, shoot. Maybe I need to get the PSVR version then because that's a track gamepad. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Free Diver. It's, it's called like, Free Diver Triton Down. Triton Down. It's like a $9 game about an hour, hour and a half long. No, no, no. 45 minutes. You think 45 You beat I, the whole thing? I could. In my Steam account, it says you've played for 43 minutes. And then you beat the whole thing? <laughs> I beat it, yeah. Okay. So I must be really close then. Uh, but it's a... A story, a narrative story about um, you as a survivor of a research vessel that has gone capsized. And you are underwater for most of it, but you're also a freediver, so you can hold your breath. And it's basically, remember the scene in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation where Tom Cruise has to hold his breath for like five minutes? Mm -hmm. And he's like going in the underwater thing. It's like that, but a survival game. And it is intense. Did you ever play the Echo games, Echo Combat? Yeah, 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 Echo? yeah, yeah. You know that locomotion mechanic where you right. grab the walls? Right, yeah. right. It's that, because you can do that. Water. You can grab surfaces and, and propel your way uh, that yourself, because but you can also swim. Swim. Uh, okay. And so that is the other mechanic. Right. And you, but they don't allow snap rotation, so you have to do one arm to turn. Okay. And it's a smooth rotation. Which you can actually do like two arms and like Is it paddle. faster that way? Oh, it's like yeah. a tank yeah. control or something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I that enjoyed cool. that. Like that, the kind of uh-huh. like moving my hands like in like a breaststroke type motion. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was really intuitive. Yeah, it's really uh-huh. good. And there's a ton of climbing as well. Okay. Um, it's a, 
like I think they nailed locomotion. For, nice. for me, that is the that is the thing I want from VR experiences. It's not great graphics or story or even gameplay. Like um, I, it's still so new. I get so elated from new locomotion mechanics that mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking for. So but I, the, you know, the immersion and literally like the, the yeah forget the forgive the pun, but like you are submerged in, right. in in water. And another gameplay mechanic is you have to catch a breath. Right, and so you're moving from location to location. It's a looking survival story. Looking for air pockets, yeah. looking for uh, oxygen tanks, okay. and you're grabbing oxygen tanks and putting it to your mouth. Again, only in VR, mm -hmm. and then you're building up your oxygen meter, which you have like a meter on your wrist to 100, and then finding the next air pocket. I'm literally like tippy toeing, tilting my head up, yeah. oh, gasping cool. for breath right. in the real world because I'm so immersed in the game. Yeah. I'm holding my breath as I'm doing this, like for a lot of it, and I'm like not realizing that too. Wow! Because the graphics are they're really good. They're really good graphics. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. It feels like the first. It feels like Vader Immortal, where mm. it, it could be a chapter thing, where this is the first chapter. Certainly, there's a story there that goes somewhere. Yeah, and uh, I hope that that's their plan because this is this is a great, great deal. For I really wanted to play on the quest. You that but you take one look at this that these graphics, graphics and you say like, no, oh no, yeah no you couldn't crazy. do that on the quest yeah the, the tutorial <laughs> is like you're above water and mm -hmm. you're kind of treading water and it just looks gorgeous oh. and then you're diving deep down and then the environments are all it, it has that feeling of claustrophobia mm -hmm. because you're underwater like there's only so many po air areas of like that you you feel safe mm -hmm. and. There are parts of the game. I, it took longer for me. There was parts I just needed to literally catch a breath and just hold my head up above, like where there was a gap, and just stay mm -hmm. there for like thirty seconds. Or you get to a part where there's there is a surface of the water, but the ceiling's so close that you can't get air there. That's why I'm tilting uh, my head. Like, like, that's that's literally like, where I'm, I'm, I'm like, like, yeah, because yeah. they can track your your where where, wow. where they model your mouth to be. And that. the whole like the whole time you're trying to escape this sinking ship that's upside down, so stairs don't go where you think they do. Wow. You're it, you have to fix your orientation it's yeah it's weird oh, give it a shot i wonder if someone could play it on like upside down and then things would be right side <laughs> in up. the upside yeah. down world um, right <laughs> right the water wouldn't be in the right place no, but yeah, at least no. they would be i mean like, it's another game where like if you got like some type of harness and you were just kind of suspended on a swing mm -hmm. like that it would still technically work hmm. yeah because you would need the resistance you yeah, just yeah. need the motion right yeah Anyway, it's like I can't believe it's like nine bucks. Like super, super affordable. Well, but it's also very short. Yeah, but it is yeah. a good. It's a. It's really well done mm. for that. Like I was saying, Vader Immortal. Like it, it's. It's very comparable to that in terms of what you get for the money. Yeah. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, next week, I'm at E3. Uh, I'll be doing a bunch of play tests there and coming back with some reports. Um, and I think that's it, Steve. Anything uh, you want to promote? Anything? Uh, Want to mention? Uh, well, I actually, uh, you talked about this uh, a while ago, but the Speakeasy uh, yes. in San Francisco is shutting down. Um, August 4th. Yeah, August 4th is the last performance. So if you have oh not gone, uh, you know, you've got a, another couple months to try to squeeze If you in. live nearby, go. And if you might visit, do and go because it's so good. This is a, a performance unlike anything you've ever seen. Yeah. So uh, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, follow us. Uh, game Video Game History Foundation is gamehistory.org. Uh, and uh, Twitter account is gamehistoryorg. And you can see some of the stuff. We've been sort of teasing some of the things we got uh, from Game Informer and then all of the new releases and everything uh, coming out there. All righty. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Yeah. This week. Uh, Jeremy, we got an intro or outro? Imperialist Rex. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. 
it's actually quite dramatic and it's super violent uh, in this way that I, I found, you know, quite watchable. All right. Thanks for the recommendation, Kishore. <laughs> man. <laughs> you made it after all. We need more of those. So yeah. if you want to send one, uh, do a, a Google search for tested outro. Is yep. that right? Yeah, and that's where you can find the SoundCloud to download the raw outro file. And then upload them to the forum. Yes. Thank cool. you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks.